リメリメキメキメキピシピシJoe Lanza, Joe, how's it going? When do we get to talk about Trent versus Yujiro? When do you want to talk about Trent versus Yujiro? We can talk about it a little bit. That was a good match. Like right like fucking it. now, yeah. I want to talk about that. Tremendous match. There was two good. The Kobe show was was overall. We're gonna talk about Kobe here in a little bit, a little, a little more, well, some more detail. It wasn't necessarily like the greatest, you know, ring, you know, bell to bell show in terms of in ring wrestling and stuff. And but there were two, like really, that, that Yujiro Trent, and then the main event too, the Juice uh, Omega was a match that it wasn't like a blow. You, you know, it's not like this unbelievable. Oh my god, I cannot believe what they did. But man, the stories of those two matches and just like the little intricate story details they threw in there. They were both, yeah, just awesome stories belled about, which is, is is sometimes just as important as having, you know, you know, in terms of show, if it's not gonna have, you know, some awesome, awesome, you know, in-ring stuff, having, you know, great stories throughout can can really make a show great. And that, that's what I thought when Kobe was over. I mean, it was kind of a hit or miss show, but those two matches really stuck out to me for uh, for for story purposes. The best of the destruction shows by far of the three. Oh, not even close. Not even uh, close. And it wasn't even that great of a show. The other two shows were just Fukushima yeah. stunk. <laughs> just stunk. And and Hiroshima. Uh, which is what I'm going with, was uh, was pretty dry too. But um, yeah, so we'll do that in more detail later. I, you, you know, Kenny Omega, Kenny, listen, did you I listen did. to the post show promo? I did. Thank you for the sellout, Kenny. Pump the brakes, Kenny. <laughs> Fifty four hundred. <laughs> no vacancy is just kind of a thing they say, but it doesn't Easy, always doesn't Kenny. Always apply. Easy. Okay, fifty four hundred. Come on, Build that's not bad. Out. I mean, let's be honest though. With, with with juice and nothing else, that's still not. I mean, it's not horrible. Oh, listen, I'm it's not, not great. Me. It's not awesome, but like that's that's not bad. That show was shit, and I didn't expect a sellout. No, that would have been real tough. No support, no semi main event drawing. Semi main event to speak of, non drawing opponent. We talked about this. They really left Omega out to dry. Yeah, and you noticed that when you were watching the show too, because it's going on, it's going on, and there's that tag match, the uh, the um, the Chaos versus uh, Ingobernable's tag match, and you're like, all right, cool, that was fun. And then like Kenny's coming out, and you're like, what, uh, what? <laughs> like it was kind of you thought like in my brain, I was like, well, I must have missed the match. Like, did I skip ahead? Did I did I miss something? And it's like, no, it's that tag match, and then it's Kenny and and, and Juice. Like you assume that there's something in between there. That there's another. Singles match, somebody, something, Goto, Ishii, like something like that. No, it was none of that. It was, you know, tags, 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 Yujiro, Trent, and then boom, main event. Yeah. And one half of that main event is Juice Robinson. So, you know, that's... even the crowd, too. I mean, a very Bullet Club heavy, elite heavy, Kenny Omega heavy fan base. I mean, he got heavy cheers when he won. And, uh, you know, so there were a lot of Kenny Omega fans there because um, there was really nothing else on the show. Um, you know, and Juice, for, you know, he's been elevated and um, and all those sorts of things. But he's not a drawing opponent at this point. I don't think anybody thinks that he is. Uh, who knows what the future will hold with that or what else they do with him. But, yeah, they really – this was all about Kenny Omega on this night and what he was going to draw basically, essentially, by himself. Not the best tour for New Japan. I mean, 
No, um, that's uh, this, maybe the three destructions is a little too uh, too much. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the, what they do uh, next year, or if they you know do any other these other three part. You know, and I don't know if it's necessarily what was on those three parts, or that three is a little too much, or maybe their roster depth isn't good enough to do the three. I don't know what it is exactly, or maybe booking, or probably a combination of all those things. But this was just not a good. Yeah, the tour itself was just the, the matches weren't great, the the effort wasn't quite there, the crowds weren't awesome. Like so, there's just this weird. Yeah, I don't know. It was a very weird tour for them. And and we're gonna talk about King of Pro Wrestling a little bit here, which is a stack show and looks awesome. But it's just kind of funny that we you know, had this weird destruction blip and, and people bring up, uh, Oh, you know, prior years, destructions haven't been great. And they've had these things too. This, there was something different about this year. This year just felt a little more weird than, than usual destructions. I mean, we as a website, we're having like people forgot that Kobe was on and, and we were having trouble finding anybody who wanted to review Kobe. And it's like, that never happened before. It was like, there had never been that, that, you know, ever an issue on our website about getting a review up or getting a preview up or people forgetting when a big New Japan show was on. And this is a relatively big one that was just kind of forgotten by a lot of people. And the Twitter buzz was non-existent too. I mean, you would have not known that show even happened until about, you know, midway through Sunday when some gifts started popping up and some people started watching. But like, you know, usually you wake up in the morning and it's just a flood of gifts talking about it and, or, and you know, flood of tweets and stuff. There was not much at all in terms of Twitter buzz on, on Sunday morning. The old buzzometer, Rich. The buzzometer was low. Yeah, it wasn't a zero, it was but uh, it wasn't. It wasn't King of Trios level, but it was pretty. Uh, it wasn't great. Was not firing on all cylinders. Uh, I don't buy the fact that destructions are are always sort of disregarded and thrown aside. I mean, if you just look quickly, um, let's just look at Kobe. I mean, last year was uh, that that Naito Elgin match, which was a tremendous match for the Intercontinental Title, where Naito won the title back, um, uh, which which was. Uh, you know, a borderline match of the year contender uh, level match. And you know, underneath that is when they were doing sort of the, uh, the Noah thing uh, where it was an eight man tag with the Noah side with, you know, Marafuji and Okada on opposing sides, setting up King of pro wrestling. Remember? Mm-hmm. Uh, so a much stronger semi-main event there. And that also had the, uh, a very good open weight six man title match, which is where uh, uh, the, the Matt and Nick Jackson and, um, Adam Cole lost to Finley, Ricochet, and Kojima. Remember that? Uh, that was one of the probably the best open weight six man match ever. Right? I mean, at least off the top of my head, where uh, you know, Kojima, uh, Ricochet, Finley team right after Matt Seidel got busted. Remember? Right. Oh yeah. Um, so what do you mean? You mean his vacation? So, his long vacation in Hawaii? Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's still there? <laughs> I, I believe, just, actually, uh, yes. <laughs> mask another wrestler, uh, essentially. But yeah, so I mean, that show, uh, you know, that Kobe show was certainly more loaded than this one. And you go back um, to 2015, the Kobe uh, destruction show that was Nakamura Goto in the main event with a Tanahashi bad luck folly match for the briefcase, uh, red dragon versus time splitters for the junior titles, Naito versus Shibata in a singles match. So I don't know if I buy this idea that they punt these shows. Those were not punted shows by any means. Then Naito Shibata match, by the way, Rich was fifth from the top. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's not so, bad. Okay, but... I, I, listen, I'm, so I, I don't know. I just, I'm not buying it. Yeah, um, and, and looking at the attendance really quickly, um, you know, I had back-to-back destruction of Kobe's in 13 and 14. Those both round out to 8,000. So I, I I don't know. Those probably might be dubious numbers there. But uh, if I look at 2015, that, that's, you know, you mentioned Goto versus Nakamura. And I guess we're just going to do our, our destruction of Kobe thing right now as we're going. But yeah, you look at that 2015 show, that's at 6,120 with, with uh, Goto and, and Nakamura on top. And then last year, we, we saw a pretty big fall uh, for the 2016 destruction in Kobe, uh, that was four uh, five thousand four hundred thirty-two with Elgin and, and about Nike the same mentioned. numbers as this. 
Yeah, yeah and then the shit was up by you know forty or whatever, five thousand four hundred and, and eighty-two with Omega and Juice. So you get a little bit more uh, with Omega Juice than you had with Elgin and Naito, but still like a, a pretty big fall from what they were uh, in fifteen. And then if you if you trust the numbers in thirteen, fourteen, wherever they both were, exactly round number eight thousands. But uh, at you know. Right, they were just reporting sellouts. Those, yeah, exactly. I mean, those are the exact same number. Whereas you can tell the difference of when they work in numbers and when they're not. Like all these other ones are like you know to the person, you know, two thousand eight hundred and three, and and that's like yeah, eight thousand. That's eight thousand. That's cool. (laughs) We're good. Yeah, and for all we know, they may have been sellouts. I have no idea. But we we you know who knows now? And you know, it's too long ago for me to remember anecdotally what the building like or whatnot. But um, yeah. So you know, this was essentially flat from last year, where you know Naito and Elgin did essentially the same number with what i would consider a slightly stronger card with the uh you know the noah guys underneath and um you know uh no i guess it that wasn't that much of a stronger card. i'd, I'd say it was a slightly stronger card yeah. and what, then, what uh, is really uh interesting though oh no sorry go ahead you were you were no i was gonna say in 15 i thought was a pretty loaded show and 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 that you know when i like like i say when you've got nato shibata fit from the top uh now listen it's not that was not post now was that that wasn't an LIJ. That wasn't Naito under the new gimmick. I don't believe. Uh, September, 2015, September 15. No, I don't believe he was. He was. There he didn't, when did he take that on? Last year uh, after he came back from Mexico, or the year before? No, maybe it was. Well, I don't know, man. 2015. Maybe it was. When was the, well, when was the Mexico? Well, let me. I could tell yeah, you right now. Well, he came back in 2015 from Mexico. I know. So um, it was the very beginnings of his. That's you know what? It was the it was the early start of his. Okay. Uh, I don't give a fuck a gimmick, but LIJ wasn't really rolling yet is what it was. Yeah. So, okay. It looks like it was around June, July that he, he rolled out the thing over and, and, and yeah. throughout the G1 too, he had it, but yeah, it wasn't fully fleshed out at that point yet. It wasn't fleshed out. Right. And he, cause he was in Mexico in the middle of the summer and then he came back with the, the early start of the gimmick. So, but anyway, yeah. But the, the point is when you've got a, that caliber of a singles match fit from the top, and then, uh, you know, we, that would explain why it drew about a thousand more fans than the last two shows did. Because Tanahashi Fale for the briefcase is a very strong semi-main event for that level of show. And, of course, you had Nakamura Goto on top. And and even the junior tag title match, I mean, Red Dragon Time Splitters, I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily a big-time drawing match. But when you're throw, adding it to the pile with the rest of this stuff, that's a much more loaded show than when we got this year. This was a, essentially, a, you know, like a one-match show. Maybe, maybe we're not giving enough credit. Um, to the uh, the Tanahashi. I'm trying to remember the other participants. It was uh, Tanahashi Elgin versus Finley and Ibushi this year, fourth in the top. I mean, but they, it's not like that was a, a you know a strong push. It was just a you know everyone was waiting for Tanahashi Ibushi. Um, I guess it's going to be a power struggle at this point. Um, but the, the technically the semi main event here was Okada and Osprey versus Evil and Hiromu, which again that's a good match. Mm-hmm. But you don't—you didn't have that one match with that punch to give the main event support. Is the point here. right? Exactly. I mean, it, it, like you know, in terms of things that pe- people probably enjoyed, it was Trent and Yujiro, but that's not a match that anybody bought a ticket. It to didn't sell Trent a single. No, yeah, not one person was in that arena going, "Oh man, I bought this ticket so I could see that." But uh, yeah, it, it, interesting. What I was going to bring up though, the, the huge difference between these two destruction shows, and I think it's worth noting that you know those prior years you mentioned 15, 14, 13, or whatever, sixteen and seventeen were the only years where they ran the three shows. So that you know, last year they decided to go Hiroshima. Um, Tokyo and then and then Kobe and this year they dropped Tokyo from it and they just went to Fukushima, Hiroshima and and, and Kobe. The big difference here is Hiroshima, which which last year was Kenny Omega Yoshihashi for for the uh you know the the briefcase and that one did two thousand eight hundred one. And quickly, 
we talked last year about leaving Omega out to dry with that card. Remember? Yeah, right, right. And and I think a lot of it is, and and we've you know we've been talking about this for a long time. Is is Omega in Tokyo? Is I mean, he is a draw in Tokyo. He has been a draw in Tokyo going back to the DDT days. And maybe that's them sort of saying, hey, what you know, how does he do here? What what could he possibly do in this arena and this thing? And, and maybe it's a test to see, you know, is he just a guy that can dominate Tokyo, but then necessarily maybe not. You know, maybe people in Hiroshima aren't really that into him, or maybe people in Kobe aren't really that into him because because this show. But again, that's that's a. I mean, Omega and Yoshihashi, and especially Yoshihashi at that point. Like, I think he's even higher now than he was uh, even then. But that one did, you know, two thousand eight hundred one, uh, and then this year with Tanahashi and, and, and Zack Saber Junior. That almost gets a thousand more with three thousand six hundred one. So uh, uh, I mean, yeah. eight hundred more. You talking about Yoshihashi in a main event, and exactly it, right. <laughs> you, know, it, that, you know, so I don't really, you know, that's not a demerit to Kenny Omega at all, right? And and that's actually that's it, you know, in, in kind of this large giant circle here. What I'm what I'm saying though is, I think you know, getting five thousand four hundred eighty two for a Juice Robinson Kenny Omega is I I think a pretty big deal. Uh, it's not great. It's not wonderful. It's not something that you're going to want to, you know, put on uh, put on the chalkboard and say, "Oh, here we go. We've now we've got something. This is awesome or whatever." But it didn't bomb, and I think that's really what I was wondering with this match and and, and this you know this card is that was it going to bomb and was Juice Robinson going to be looked at like Yoshiashi was last year? It's like, all right, well, it's Yoshiashi. I mean, what do you expect? It, I don't know that we're saying that with, with Juice Robinson right now. I think we're saying, no, eh, not bad. Like, and I think that's a success in, in a lot of ways. I think. Uh, not bad is exactly how I would assess it. It, it, it. You can't call it a bomb. They didn't bomb. I mean, they did the same number Elgin Naito did. You know, and yeah. it was a good number. It just wasn't a great number. I think if he would have sold out, you'd be going, what the fuck? That's incredible. You know, I wasn't expecting to sell it. I don't think anybody was expecting to sell it. A sellout would have been incredible. I think anything over 6,000 would have been incredible. Um, but yeah, so, you know, it's it's about what I figured it would do. You know, uh, you know, a, a, a nice little number for a one match and really you know, not even the strongest of matches shows. So, um, yeah. So I guess, uh, we might as well do this show right now. I mean, we talked enough about it. There's no point going. Yeah. Let's, let's go ahead. I mean, there's not a, there's not a ton more to really break down about the show. So I think it'll be uh, (laughs) pretty quick after this, but, uh, yeah. So this, uh, overall, what'd you think of the show? I thought, as you mentioned, you know, the, Easily the best of the the other two destruction or the other all three destruction shows. Easily the best, but even then it was still just okay. It was just fine. Like that's kind of how I went with you know when it was all said and done. I really liked the main event. I really loved you know Beretta and Yujiro. and then I liked some other stuff that happened on the show, but nothing else that I'm really going to be like, hey, you got to go out of your way and see. I think you do have to go out of your way and see see the main and, and see the Yujiro Beretta. But everything else, I mean, if you're really pressed for time, I don't think you're really going to miss anything by 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 skipping some of the other stuff on the show. Uh, well, full disclosure, I'm watching the rest of the show right now. <laughs> um, I'm late. At, well, I watched the main event, obviously. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I've, I'm in the middle of the second half of the show right now, so you'll have to carry some of that. But I guess we can uh, start with uh, Beretta and Yujiro. I mean, I love that. I thought that that was um, just a, an excellent match to a neat little storyline, which really played itself out over the course of this entire tour, which I really liked. They kicked off the angle at the first Cork and Hall show at the beginning of the tour, and then they added to the angle as we moved along. In fact, this singles match wasn't even booked when they laid out these cards to begin with. Uh, This card was reshuffled to accommodate this singles match as the angle played itself out. And the reason I liked it so much was, well, first of all, I thought the performances of both guys throughout the entire angle and, and in this match were tremendous. You got to give Yujiro a lot of credit. 
got to give Brett a lot of credit. Yeah, well, Ujiro, he's the guy that we always talk about. When you give him something to do, the good Ujiro comes out. When he's just kind of being, <laughs> you know, the the fifth guy in the in the bullet club or whatever, he kind of sucks. So it, it's yeah, and we know that, and we, that's what he's always been, and that's what we've always kind of seen with him. So it's cool to see him in one of those things because you can see him be good again, and and now he'll go back to not doing anything for you know eight months or whatever, and we'll all forget that he was good, and then he'll have you know one match and he's good again. So it was cool to see him in that atmosphere because we always know that whenever he is given anything to sink his teeth into, he, he always does deliver. And just don't put him too high on the card. No, no, no. Card don't get too crazy. Lower. Don't get too crazy. But. And, he, and, and he's fine. You know what I mean? It's just don't put him too high on the card. Don't put him, you know, when, when he's teaming with the hangman in tag team title matches, nobody wants to see that. Okay? When he's going after the never title, nobody wants to see that. Just, also, no more you know, G1s either. You don't have to go for the G1 either. You can leave him out. It's fine. I mean, it hasn't been in the last two. So, um, you know, they've done a good job with that, keeping them out of the input, the, you know, the, the important mix in terms of single stuff. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, he, I thought, you know, in the lead up to this match with some of the angles that they shot, he was tremendous. And I love that he speaks English gimmick is that he's a bullet club guy and he's not really Japanese anymore. And he does that to troll the Japanese fans. So he cuts his promos in English, which I think is tremendous. Um, and, and I think the idea is that his English isn't good, which kind of adds to it here speaking terrible English, pretending that he's not Japanese, you know, denouncing the fact that he's Japanese. Right, right. So, you know, he goes out there and he, and he, and he tells Trent he's not a real heavyweight, this and that. And he challenged Trent to a singles match. Singles wrestler. Okay, you want to be a heavyweight? I'm going to show you how hard it is to be a heavyweight. I pinned you in this tag match, and now I'm going to beat you in a singles match, you know? So then they reshuffle this card, uh, which obviously was the plan all along. So, you know, Gato put out the the uh, the fake card he does that from time to time you know they'll put out a dummy card and then run an angle somewhere and then quote unquote shuffle the card around to accommodate the match and that's what they did here and I love when they do stuff like that you know why because it doesn't it feels like it's breaking the routine and booking is always so predictable in a lot of ways and mm-hmm. that predictability and that consistency is both a positive and a negative as a fan so when they do stuff like this where where it just feels non routine and it feels like they're going on the fly it feels different and it's exciting. And that's why I love this angle because it's so unlike them. When do they have, just have a random singles match in the prelims on a show like this that has a storyline behind it? Rich, we get excited when we see any singles match booked that's out of the norm that isn't for a title. Even right, if it's right. like something completely <laughs> random like like Hanma versus a young lion or something. We're like, wow, a singles match. Yeah, as long as it's a singles match, I don't care who it is. It could be... Uh, yeah, it could we're be... Yeah, it could be Nakanishi versus El Desperado, and I'll be like, oh, man, look, I can't believe it. Like, yeah, so, so to have one that, that actually has a story behind it and right, a purpose, right, right. You, know, it, you know, I was looking forward to this, and they delivered. I mean, look, Beretta's been great all year. I think he's having such an understated year, and this ma- the match itself really played to his strengths and what he's been doing so well all year, which is bumping and selling. And because Yujiro tossed this guy all around the ring, and don't forget, Yujiro will throw you around. Okay, he he's got those gut wrench suplexes, and you know he hit two Miami shines, and um, he or where was it? One Miami shine and two Tokyo pimps, whatever it was. He hit the Miami shine and got a near fall, and then uh, he hit the Tokyo pimps off the top rope, right? Or was it the Miami? No, the Miami shine off the top rope, and for another near fall, and then he hit the Tokyo pimps, which is really his his real finish. Every now and then he'll finish someone with the Miami shine, but it's really the Tokyo pimps. And when he hit the Tokyo pimps. And Trent kicked out of that. The crowd really was like shocked. They couldn't believe that, which shows you how protected the finishers are in New Japan. 
Okay, the New Japan singles match slash main event style is very similar to the WWE main event style, except for that one major difference, and that the finishers are way more protected in New Japan. A big WWE singles match, Rich, you're waiting for the finisher kickouts. You know that they're coming, especially with the top guys. It's very overdone in that company. Yeah, it's become their house style since about two, ever since really Johnny Ace came in there in like 2001. That's become the main event house style. Is just that that yeah that that's what we do now is we you know guys are just going to throw their finishers and bomb finishers back and forth and kick out of them and 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 yeah that's what it has become and it's it's gotten much more of that in the last you know three four five years uh, as well. So especially right. Cena in a lot a lot of ways has really been the one of the driving forces you know people think oh it's that's the indie style but it's really been cena that's really been the guy that that's that's kind of ushered that in in a lot of ways and and, and now it's really just it's exploded all together and, and you can add like take you can add taker michaels too i think those matches as well um really up the game a little bit there. yeah and that's the thing and you know i don't even mind in a huge match scenario but the problem is even at your backlashes and no mercies and it's like you know that's the main event style it's really the singles match style even on a raw between two mid-card so what I'm getting at here is, uh, you know, you get this New Japan prelim wrestler in a prelim match, and the fans still pop for the idea that he hit an avalanche Tokyo pimps on this guy. <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, no. And he kicked out, you know, and they, they pop for the Miami Shine kickouts, and then they, they pop for that. And then uh, and then Beretta makes his comeback and hits his uh, – I forget what he calls that. Well, well first he, he hit a standard pile driver, and that didn't get the job done. Then he hit whatever that finish is called, the one he used to do with Rocky, where Rocky would assist him, sort of the sit-out um, pile driver. It's kind of, I thought it had a cool name. Let, let me find out what it is. It's got a cool name. I did very well. Yeah, hey, listen. I did very well with the Yujiro na- uh, move names there. But uh, the dude, are you thinking the Dude Buster? Dude Buster. That's it, yeah. So he hits the uh, – The Dude course, Buster. The Dude Buster. Yeah, yeah. yeah, right, yes. yeah right. yeah. So that's the name of his tag team with uh, – what the hell was that guy's oh. name? <laughs> Yeah, superstars tag team. Uh, what the fuck? We brought, him up. We brought him up not that long. Uh, Kalen Croft, wasn't it? Kalen Croft. Yeah, yes, Kalen Croft. Croft. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you know the dude buster, and he put a, he doesn't wrestle anymore. Oh, he's done. Okay, he's out of business. He's done. He's out of business. But uh, uh, yeah. So Beretta puts him away with the dude buster. Rich, this was damn near a four star match. This was a hell of a match, and um, you know, and and it's just like we said uh, in in the lead up to it, a perfect storyline to break Trent into the uh, in, into being a heavyweight and the perfect guy to do it with because Yujiro is a prelim guy. It doesn't matter that he lost his feud to, to Beretta, and now Beretta can move on. And I think with the quality of this match against a guy like Yujiro, I'm fully confident that he can go out there and have uh, some pretty great matches against the, the higher caliber heavyweights, especially with the way he sells. You know, I, I was thinking about it. I oh, he's so love, good. He's such a good seller. I would love to see him versus like Fale. I would love to see him against Goto. I would love to see him, you know, against uh, like an Elgin, you know, like these big guys who are going to toss him around and beat the shit out of him. Evil. How good would he be against evil? You know, um, and, th- and that would be tailor made for evil to just dominate 70% of the match and slap him around and beat the shit out of him and wrap the chair around his head and do all those sorts of things. And we know that Beretta is willing to take the crazy bumps. At least he has been this year. It's almost like he's volunteering for him because he takes him in every match. And uh, this match really gave me confidence that, that, that he can be an excellent heavyweight on this roster. But the, the beauty of it is it's like, and we sort of alluded to this too. There's really no rush. You know, what is the rush? They got yeah, plenty I was of guys. Say, I would almost do the style that they did with, with Shivato, where it's just like little by little, you just kind of climb up the ladder, climb up the ladder, climb up the ladder. Like he doesn't have to go for the never, you know, title tomorrow or, you know, it, it, 
he can he can just slowly but surely you know go up the ladder, move up, move up, and and that's gonna be a cool little story and a cool little progression because you don't need him right now, and you you got you know ten guys right now that, that are ahead of him in the pecking order, which is fine. Let him slowly crawl up, slowly crawl up. But I, I would say keep. Keep on keeping on with the, the story of him trying to you, you know prove himself to the heavyweights because I think you can you can get a lot of months out of that I think I mean it could now be whoever you can name you know Ishii decides that now it's you know his month to this to, to you know get this guy ready for the heavyweights well, same, or whatever well, like same, that. same same uh, same unit but I get to, I get no I know I'm just I'm just throwing out a hypothetical yeah. you know, and yeah. anybody it could be you know any guy that that could just you know one by one a heavyweight decides okay well now let me try it like you know and it could it could be built similar to how this tag was where you know he pins him in a tag and and kind of looks at him like yeah you know you beat Ujiro and that and you can use Ujiro as that too it's not necessarily like really demeaning to him because again we said it's fucking Ujiro but you can say like well you beat Ujiro but you know I'm a little bit better than Ujiro so let's see what you can do against me and then that's a kind of fun little story to uh, to progress him uh, you know upward a little bit I, I I'd be all in favor if they did that. Yeah, so they, they like in other words, there, there's no need. He doesn't need to have you know a major dome match at Wrestle Kingdom this year. Just you know, keep slowly moving him up the ladder and uh, and allow him to, to prove himself. But I, this was uh, I gotta tell you, um, this is my favorite match on the show. I, I really love this match. I really love the story. Uh, I really love the whole storyline that they did here. So I was I was just way into it, and I could not wait to talk about it. And uh, I think he's really had sort of a um, – it's weird to call it a breakthrough year, but in a lot of ways it has been, you know, um, with his performances. He's really stood out, and I thought he's done a lot of good storyline stuff. Yeah. I mean, the, the Rapongi Vice stuff was awesome early in the year, and then, you know, them slowly breaking up and now this Ujiro thing. So I've seen um, him live a few times this year too, and he, he's awesome. Have you ever seen him, him live? Uh, yeah, I've seen oh, – have I? I? You know what? Actually, let me think about that. I don't think I have. I think he's a wrestler who I have never seen live. Right. And, I mean, there's not a ton of opportunities. He's not a guy like, you know, he went from WWE and, and, and basically from there, you know, does a little spot, you know, does certain indies here and there, but basically, you know, kind of moved on to New Japan. So, yeah, there's not a ton of opportunities for you to have really seen him. But he's a guy that just jumps off the page, too. I saw him at Ring of Honor a few years ago, you know, post WWE uh, and then AEW a few times, too. And he's another one of those guys that's like we mentioned, there's there's a few guys where you just see them live and there's just a different sound. To them they bounce off the ropes a little bit different they sound a little bit more you know when they're when they're doing a back bump it's just louder it's just a little bit more of this presence that 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 you, you, it's just you, once you see it you, you you know it and you feel it and you're like yeah that guy's different than these dudes like we, we talk about ricochet being one of those guys where like the first time you see ricochet you can't help but go oh okay well that guy's a little different than everybody else but red is that way too and he's a guy who on tv you know now this year i'm glad this has been the first year where he's really i think, thought jumped off the page a little bit in, in terms of when you're watching him on, on tv or, or on video or whatever that he seems to be doing it but he's a guy that live always projected that a little bit more to me and i'm glad to now see it you know doing a little bit more on on you know video where you can see the same thing where it's like yeah this guy's really good and he's got like mannerisms and stuff that, that are just incredible in it and he's a guy that's entering his peak and and it's like you know uh, we we talk about all the time which there would be a lot of times with their signing practices and stuff here's a guy that like had you held on to him for, for a few more years you might have had it or had they you know not signed him when they did and you, you know waited it out a few more years or or hell i mean if nxt was a thing when, when he was running i mean he I think would fit in perfectly with that but i'm glad where he is where he is right now and i'm glad he's doing what he's doing because uh, he's a guy that definitely has a ton of talent and and, and really shockingly I, I think people still have this idea that he's trent beretta and it's like well you gotta you know if you're not watching him and not paying attention to what he can do you're really missing out because this guy's had an incredible year well you know i i i liked his wwe stuff the problem is just it was well, nobody saw profile. it yeah and nobody saw yeah, it they, they never did anything with him you know if you weren't paying attention to superstars or whatever in those days 
Uh, you know, but but his work was always solid, and and he was a guy who, have, you know, long before this show, I guess not long before, he, I guess he got cut about a year before we started doing this show. But you knew you knew me, and I was telling everybody this guy's gonna have a good indie run. I think he that that he's gonna have a good post WWE career, and uh, and he has. I mean, he had a little bit of he he got too off to a rough start when he first you know he was a and that you see guys do that. You see guys they take a little while to adjust. The indie style is a little faster. The fans are a little bit more demanding, especially if you're going to work popular indies. If you're going to jump into the deep pool and work PWG, you know, like you know, Kurt Hawkins is the famous example we always right, look yeah. to. Yeah, you know, you, they don't want to see a headlock on the camera side. They don't care. You know, that doesn't do anything for them. That's, that's right. not going to pop. So, you know, <laughs> the guys backstage go, "Oh, that was a nice headlock," and I love how you turned him to the camera. They don't give a shit about that. It's like no. the, the fans aren't there to see that. You right. know, and. So it takes you a little while to get your speed up and 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 change your your frame of mind from because you you know it's a different wrestling is about working in front of the crowd you're working in front of you know it's not about so you know you're you're taught this this one consistent style when you're in one place and then now you're on the indies where fans are a little more hardcore and they demand to see a little more and they want to see faster action and more action and you know, they, they want to see crazier spots. And sometimes it takes you a little while to acclimate to that style. And he was a guy where it did take him, you know, about six months, but, uh, but ever since then, you know, he, he's a super talented guy. So yeah. I, I do think he, he, at least look, I don't know how far he can go as a heavyweight in new Japan. I don't know if this is going to lead to him getting, you know, uh, attention from WWE again. I don't know any of those things. I just know that he's super talented and it's good to see him at least get a shot. It's it's you know, someone gets an opportunity and then you see what they do with it. So um, we'll see what happens with him moving forward. And just to clarify too, he I know he was in NXT. I mean, like the, what NXT as we know of it now. I mean, I, I know he was there during like the the Tyler Rex like Yoshitatsu era and all that. Was like, that NXT? Was he there that late in the game? Or NXT? Yeah, like the, the he was there until 2013. But like that was Cassius Ono, Johnny Curtis. You know, before he had, it sort of moved oh, I was thinking 2011. He was there as late as yeah. So I think it, I'm looking at his timeline right now just because I I wasn't sure where he uh, when he got released because I was trying to figure out you know because you said he he got released before we did our podcast and I was like, Oh really? That seems, That's but no, by, by 2011, he, he was, you know, doing main event stuff. And then 2012 to 2013, he was NXT or, uh, and I do remember this, he tore his tricep. And I think that uh, Zach Ryder was doing those like where's Trent question mark, you know, segments. Uh, yeah, and yeah. that's what led to the Trent question mark, you know, when we went to PWG and, and stuff like that. So yeah, he was doing that. So he was hurt for a while, came back, uh, did some matches with it looks like with Leo Kruger and, and, and Cassius Ono and, and Johnny Curtis and then was then and then was released. So he did have a, kind of a year, year and a half run with NXT, but that was that was I, I think a different NXT. When I say, you know, anytime I reference NXT, I usually use like post takeover NXT. Yeah, exactly. Network yeah, era. Like, Right, like after that first takeover, that you know, or, or not the first takeover, the NXT arrival or whatever the hell that first yeah. one was. That's like that's what I considered. That. That's modern that, NXT. Yeah, and I think and I think you're right. I think that's right where the line is. The first, the first. Yeah, because I don't think this counts as the same. Like I don't put this in the lineage. I don't put like Johnny Curtis versus Trent in the, in the same lineage that I do what's going on right now with NXT. I just don't think it's it's, it's quite the same. So no, 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 different. And and I was off by two years. I I was thinking he got released in eleven. I didn't realize it was that late. We were doing a show in 2013. So. Uh, we started in 2012, so so there you go. Um, but yeah, I so the rest of this show, I guess. Uh, what do you want to do? I mean, yeah, I don't think I, there's a ton to break down. No, there's really not. Um, I mean, I, I could talk. Oh, man, there's. I mean, I'm going through like 
uh, the young line match was kind of fun. The, the the second match was just a lot of people stabbing stuff up people's asses. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess we can talk about the Tornado tag, the, uh, the 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 tag titles. I mean, at least it was something different with KS winning. But okay, so I, the, here's what here's what I'm annoyed about with that. Once okay. War, once War Machine won the first two matches, okay, to me they needed to win the third. Yeah, that's the better story. And then this way you're finally establishing dominance with one of the teams in this division because if they beat both of these top contending teams three matches in a row then you're getting behind somebody but of course that's not the route that they go killer elite squad wins the third match and then you're just left thinking none of these teams are standing out again so of course what are we getting at king of pro wrestling <laughs> but the no. same joe, it's different. no joe it's different it's an elimination tornado tag you know, it's sickening. And, you know, Alan, <laughs> Alan 4L wrote a piece in the uh, Figure 4 Weekly this week. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, no, I have not yet. I was actually reading it. It's actually, I'm going to plug it because it was, that excerpt from the newsletter is uh, is for free on the Figure 4 Weekly main page uh, Observer site. Um, so you can read what Alan wrote about the titles. And it isn't, uh, it's about as mean as Alan gets anyway, in terms of um, the shitty booking of the titles and Alan takes it all the way back to 2012 when killer elite squad faced 10 Koji about 19,000 times in, in, <laughs> in one year. Um, you know, and, 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 and how overdone that was. And really it's the same. He made a lot of the same points that we make in terms of, you know, you can't really, it's, this isn't really on the wrestlers. I mean, they're just doing what they're told. Um, and, and, and they, they try hard. I mean, all of these matches, they work hard and some of them are really good, you know, but it's really hard, even if a match is really good, to get into it if you don't want to watch it to begin with, and if you're not into the storyline. Right, and you don't care who wins, and 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 you get to the point we talked about, it and and it used to happen a lot with the with the junior tag. We we've mentioned it numerous times where those matches were awesome when it was the Bucks and and you know time splitters and 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 you know insert there'd be another team that would kind of come in every so often, whether it be yeah. Red Dragon or some other guys. They would come in. The matches were so, like we would always say they're like three and a half like <laughs> stars, like on minimum, like every time. But it was like I don't care because it, you could. I could roll dice and say, okay, well, that team's going to win now. And and it was literally every time they would go out there, a new team would win the titles, then they would lose the titles, and they would win the title. And you didn't care who won or lost, and you didn't care what the result was. So no matter what's going on in the action, even if it's good, and even if you admit that it was a good match, you're still left kind of like, eh, all right. And that's how it was with this one. Like, I thought this was well worked. I thought it was the best worked of the the other three, uh, you, you know, destruction tag, you know, <laughs> matches. But it was at the end, it was just like, okay, all right, thanks, I'm done, like, I'm good, and then I hear War Machine screaming, like, not like this, not like this, I'm like, oh, no, oh, no, and then I look, and I'm like, no, why again, like, and I knew it, the second I saw KES1, and I'm glad for those dudes, like, I'm, I'm glad that they've kind of came, come back, Dave Boy Smith took a ridiculous bump, I mean, through that table, I don't know if you saw that, he, yeah, yeah, through that table, then he turns around, his back's just bleeding all over the place, because, yeah, I, dude, I'm not taking a Japanese t- t- table bump, ever, that thing like cracked in the middle and you could see like parts of the steel like snapping or whatever. Like I'm good, man. Like I like how WWE, like you go into a WWE table and that shit explodes and it's all over the place. And that I'll do that all day. I'm not doing a Japanese table bump. Cause that thing broke. Like, like you're in the backyard jumping on the table off your roof or whatever. <laughs> like that. It's just, it's no good. But yeah, so they're, like they're working their ass off and I'm glad for those guys. And like, I thought overall it was a good match, but at the end I was just like, all right, cool, done. Good. Thank you. Like, and it's not just that you don't care who wins. That's one thing. But it's worse when it doesn't matter who wins. That's what makes it worse because it really doesn't fucking matter who wins these matches because 
and I think Alan made a great point in the article that I'm plugging is that when, when there's no effort to elevate anyone and it's just, you know, a constant recycling of the same teams, it, you know, it doesn't matter. And then you don't care. And then it's hard to get into this stuff. You know, if this would have been a fresh match that we saw for the first time ever, because forget that the fact that they did three, three way matches in a row, we just saw war machine and grills of destiny face each other a billion times. None of this was fresh, you know, and now they're going to do it for the fourth time in a row. But if that was just an independent match that had only been done once, we probably would think a lot more of it, right? Because it really wasn't bad at all. It was pretty damn good. But when you've seen it three times in a row, it's hard to get into it. And yet, you know, and we should mention, you know, Lance Archer, guy comes back from back surgery. You know, he thought his career might be over. So, yeah, you feel good for him, of course. You know, he's back in there. He's making a living. Um, you know, he's working at an acceptable level. And 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 that's awesome. You know, and 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 Davy Boy Smith Jr., through no fault of his own, largely stops being booked by this company because his partner was gone. So you're happy to see him back and getting, you know, full-time work again. And all those things are great. And these wrestlers all work hard. But it's just it, the booking is horrendous. It's it's flat out horrendous. And everybody is tired of it. You know, we're all sick and tired of it. Yeah, I think the worst part too is that they didn't. The, the two th- we all we all grown and we saw that you know the, the, that these were going to be all three matches were going to be the same and all three destructions or whatever. But then everybody kind of said, okay, well, well, I would do this. I would have you know them trade off or, or you know I'll have one win one, one win the other. The, and that's like we were all trying to figure out what would be the best scenario, try to make something out of this shit sandwich. Like you would have had one team sweep it all. You would have had War Machine sweep it all. You know, once you saw them win the first two. Uh- yeah, I'm going to be fair. That wasn't my idea from the start. But when they won the first two, I said, oh, that'll be cool. Right. So they, they had you know? sort of set up. And then they just did like the worst, most boring possible thing is like yeah. one dominant team emerges and then they just fucking they lose. All right, whatever. <laughs> like you're done. It's just like, what? Like, yeah. why would you do that? And it, it's just of all the scenarios to do, you chose like the most boring, mundane possible one. And then when we see that they, it was all because they wanted to book it again on King of Peru, and it's just like, oh right, really? Like we we've seen this now, Matt. We've seen this. We're going to see this match four times in 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 the span of a few weeks, and that's that's too much for any match. And it's it does a disservice to these guys. I mean, you could you could have done this exact you know general scenario by having them trade off. You can have KS face War Machine, then then KS face you know um, you know the Girls of Destiny, then you have Girls of Destiny and War Machine. Like there could have been ways to do it, and they found the absolute worst way, the laziest way to do it, and then booked it in the laziest, most boring. Way possible and then gave us another match that nobody asked for ever so yeah. it's 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 irritating it's real irritating and uh you know what are the odds you're going to get some other incarnation of this at, you know on january 4th in some form again i mean it, you know maybe and, you know another great point alan made it's always like a killer elite squad and roh flavor of the month team that comes in and you know what i mean it's like it's yeah it's gonna, be, it's gonna be silos and beer city bruiser at that point like like yeah, and, yeah. And there's been talks of that, like that's what it's gonna be it's gonna be one of those teams or yeah it's gonna be one of those just random roh teams which sucks because war machine is that good and and you could do good stuff with war machine but now they unfortunately they've been relegated to just you, you know flavor of the month roh team and they're so much better than that but you know that that's they've booked them that division has been booked that way where they are just a, a cog in, in the machine you know, one thing that I've thought about is it's very possible that um, this was all. And, you know, I just finished watching the Tanahashi Elgin versus Finley Abushi match. That's an excellent match. Really good. Um, you know, right there with the uh, Beretta Yujiro match and the main event 
as one of the best matches on the show. I think. Did you think much of that or what? Uh, I didn't think as I didn't think maybe as highly as you did. I thought it was solid. I, I didn't think it was as good as uh, as you're saying though. So I thought Elgin was awesome. I mean, he really stood out. I mean, Tanahashi, you know, he didn't do much like usual in these tags. <laughs> I mean, Elgin was throwing around Abushi and Finley. I I that was a good fucking match. Anyway, um, what I was gonna say was, you know. New Japan, notoriously, they plan things out far in advance. And if you read between the lines, you can see that. Like the Kenny Omega interview with Dave Meltzer at the beginning of the year, where they asked him who he wanted to face. And he specifically mentioned Tomohiro Ishii. And, you know, that that immediately set off light bulbs over my head. And then, what do you know? He ends up having a feud with Tomohiro Ishii in the first third of this year. You know what I mean? It's like, so he kind of knew that was coming. And he talked about that with Dave. And you see little clues like that all the time. And you, and you see how, you, you know, for the most part, you know, they plan out the entire year in between the dome shows very intricately. And another way that you can tell is you look at Togi Makabe this year, Rich. He has done nothing of consequence. He's always in a prelim tag. And he always sticks out like a sore thumb like he doesn't belong there. Because I believe that Makabe and Hanma were probably earmarked to be heavily involved in the tag titles this year. Just based on the fact that Makabe has been involved in nothing Mm -hmm. all year long. It's almost like, okay, Hanma's hurt. Makabe, we had him earmarked for all this shit, you know, for all, and now what do we do? We just got to stick him in these tags because there's, you know, everything else, you know, the never stuff was already plotted out. Every, you know what I mean? It's like, there's nothing left. There's nothing to do with him. So that's kind of my tip off that GBH was going to be involved. Do you think it's possible that whatever they were planning for Makabe and Hanma with the tag uh, titles or, you know, the top line tag programs that now, you know, Gato or whoever's booking this, and if you think it's Gato, who else would it be? Um, you know, it, it's like, okay, now I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to do this match over and over and over, some incarnation of War Machine versus Gorillas of Destiny, because my original plans were shot. So let's see yeah, if I, I can. And get... I think he puts about 15 minutes of thought into it. One, he probably had plans, it blew up, and just said, fuck it, who cares? I don't really, I, I got enough shit to worry about, whatever, I'm good. And then yeah, just, it's uh, mid card to me anyway. Right. And, that, and, and, right? and that's and booking, the problem. And his booking pattern has always shown that, too, that, that he focuses very heavily on, on a few different things, and, and for large part, juniors and, and tag title belts to, you know, when he's got time, like they're they're <laughs> those are Gato's, you know, voices of wrestling Dragon Gate thoughts is like, oh shit, it's we got like twenty minutes left. Ah, Dragon Gate, ah, and we, then we we go. I, I'm sure that's how he is. He's, he's racking his brain about this, this, and this, and then it's like, ah, shit, our tag titles. Ah, uh, whatever. What did we do last month? Do it again. Who cares? Like, yeah, and the junior tag titles. See, I think New Japan unfairly gets bashed for how they treat the juniors. I think the singles juniors, I think what happens there is it's not booked the way people want it to be booked and they get upset, but I don't think it's a lack of attention. I look, look, Hiromu worked fourth from the top from the dome and was in a featured match and all those sorts of things. I, I disagree on that. The tag titles for sure. Those are just whatever the fuck it was like you talked about thrown in as sloppy openers that clearly had no thought or, or rhyme or reason titles changing nearly every time there's a match. Same thing with these heavyweight tag titles. I just feel like the Hanma thing may have thrown everything off, and now it's just fuck it. Let's just see if we can get War Machine in here, uh, book these guys throughout the summer, and then just you know figure it out from there. The La- and look, Lance Lance Hoyt too. I mean, you had Hanma and Lance Hoyt both get injured. You have to figure that both of those teams were going to be featured somewhat prominently in things all year long, right? I mean, you know, what else are you going to do with with the, the proof is they're doing nothing with Makabe. So it's not like they had Makabe, you know, an intercontinental mix or something. You know what I mean? 
So anyway, that's just the thought I had about that. But um, yeah, and, and our, our solution, we've always mentioned this too, because people are always gonna say, oh, you can't bitch without having a solution. We've had a solution for a long time. It's it's you got a lot of these talented guys that a lot of times are in between months and not really doing much. We're all for a random Okada Gato tag title run, or you know, not even he doesn't even have to have, win the titles, but just to have, I mean, go in there and, and do those titles. I mean, a guy like an Ishii, guys like Goto, guys you mentioned like Makabe, he can just grab a random dude or whatever just to change it up, just to have a different look and feel that's tag division. You can just have these guys in their units just have a collection of dudes, like you know, find a unit, have two guys, and and, and have them go for a little run for, for a month or two. I've been, I've been yeah. screaming about that forever. Yeah, I mean, it's the easiest thing to do, and it, 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 it was, you know, that's what they used to do for decades. Right, that's what I mean. Like it's not like it's, it's not a hot take here. I mean, it's 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 the template for for how it was done for decades, and and now there's an inversion to it, and it's just like, well, okay, then the the alternative is like you're saying, then then plans blow up, and you just say, oh, well, we have three teams, so we'll just go with those guys. When it's like, well, no, you have an unlimited number of teams on this roster. It doesn't have to be a designated tag team. It can just be guys in a unit that 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 are a team. Like that's what's fine. what's Hiroki go, what's Hiroki Goto doing right now? No, he's nothing. I forgot he was. I I, I couldn't even tell you what match he was on on the show. I'm looking at the. I'm not looking at the card right now I, I do not even remember what goto did he was, was go to oh, uh Fale and 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 uh against Fale and, and owens right yeah with Yoshi. That, okay all right so he did that but so yeah. it's what there you go i mean what are you doing with hiroki goto right now why can't hiroki goto go and yoshiashi there you go go to yoshiashi random oh, tying total and, whatever and, they lose who cares and he's and he's got a pin eater you know and that's <laughs> how it used to be done in all Japan for many years, the star yeah, and your Kikuchi's, your uh, Akiyama's, always coming up. Like those guys, they knew they were going to get their, you know, pinned, yeah, and that's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's like, and or you or you know, what are you doing with Ishii? I guess Ishii's got a briefcase match, but it's like, why not Goto and Ishii? You know, you got yourself a, you know, a chaos chaos tag team of 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 two upper mid card guys. That's the kind of shit that they used to do for years and years and years. Forget that they used to have top guys win the tag team titles over the years. And, you know, and then you'd have your top teams come over from America, whether it was the Steiners or, you know, they put, you know, Vader and Bigelow together or whatever the case may be. Uh, you, you know, uh, you bring over Hawk and team with Kensuke Sasaki and, and, you know, uh, you had your Hashimoto's going. It was the way it was in New Japan and All Japan for many years. Where your top stars went after the tag team titles. And won them and feuded over them. And you know what it would do? It would advance your singles programs. Yeah, guys coming out of that now, that's their program is, you know. That's Baba Booking 101. You, you'd score your first major scalp over your rival in a tag match. You know what I mean? And then it's like, oh, now we know that wrestler A can beat wrestler B. He beat him in this tag match, you know? And it's like New Japan does that too. What New Japan does is they'll, you know, they'll have a guy beat a guy in a random tag match on the previous tour, and then they'll get the singles match on the next tour. The old Baba booking was you for years you wouldn't be able to beat a guy. Forget months. For years, one guy would just dominate another, but then he'd finally get that scalp in a tag match. And then it'd be like, oh shit, this guy's finally coming up to his level. You know, and then eventually he'd beat him in a singles match. So, well, that was the template. Okay, and it's like, you know, there's so much you can do if you use your stars in these tags as opposed to just a bunch of mid-card teams that that are just a blob of nothing where no one gets. And if you're not going to use the stars, fine, but at least book some of these teams. Can we have a cast system and an order like you have? They do a very good job with the singles wrestlers in this company 
with having a caste system and an order and a hierarchy. The tag teams, it's all just one giant yeah, blob three of three guys and they're all in a blob and that's it. Or three teams in a blob and that's it. And it means nothing when they never, never moves, never changes. It's just an ever it can just, always the same shape, always the same. And, and you talk about it too, and we're mentioning this, you know, how, how much better, you know, potentially you think about, you know, kind of pie in the sky idea, but how much better of a draw is this show if, on the second, you know, the semi-main event, the main event is, is still Omega Juice, but the semi-main is, is as you said, go to an Ishii going for the tag titles, and they've been building it up, and go to an Ishii have been, you know, little by little getting wins and, and feeling good about themselves, and those are two established guys. Like, there you go, right there, and instead, like, everybody else is just in meaningless tags and meaningless, you know, multi-man tags, and it's like, well, you 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 could really, I mean, this is a perfect show to just do one of those and have it be the semi-main where, where it's just random tag. I mean, that, that you can use, there's so much you can do with that. Yeah, so much yeah, you're right. You and you have a it. solid semi-main event match that can help draw, you know, an extra. And that's, that's not this case. This is every match. It's all those split shows. Then you can do yeah. three tours. Then you can do, and and then everyone is going to have, you know, a decent tag match in it. And that that's important. That w- could easily help. You know, it's support just, your main it's event. Just so ironic that a guy who spent two guys really. Let's <laughs> not right. let Jado off the hook. I mean. You know, it's like two guys who spent their entire careers in a tag team care so little about tag team wrestling. Look, they do a tremendous job with all of the singles titles. They yeah. really do. I mean, they, they you know elevate never to where it can headline sometimes. And Intercontinental, obviously, a major. Well, you talk about this guy in the main event. I mean, Juice Robinson. They 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 got him as a, a young lion and got him in in what two years to be main eventing and and <laughs> drawing a pretty decent house for a brand new sing again a singles right. title. Now yeah. they've got this new singles title, which they've elevated to main event status by putting it on Kenny Omega. These guys do a tremendous job elevating these singles titles, booking singles titles, booking singles programs, and two guys who came up as tag wrestlers. You know, a ve- you know one of the better tag teams over the last twenty years in, in in the world. I mean, especially if you're just limiting it to junior teams, they were an excellent, and they just don't care about tag team wrestling. It's amazing. It, it, it really, you know, it's crazy. It, it really is. But a uh, frustrating, frustrating booking and, you know, a good match that we really should be talking more about of how, how good, but, you know, you get wrapped up in bashing the booking. So yeah. um, very quickly, Kawato and Tenzan beat Kitamura and Oka. Interesting that Kawato is always on the winning side of these now. He teams with the veteran generally and will beat the, uh, this combination, Kitamura and Oka, despite the fact that Kitamura and Oka, you would think, you would think are the future stars as opposed to Kawato, but you never know. Kawato does have that crowd connection, but you know, they're the big two, the two big heavyweights and whatnot. Does it bother you a little that they sort of have this system where the young lion who breaks through first is always going to beat the young lions who come up after him. Um, or when, when there's a situation like this, where it's obvious, you know, they're going to get behind Oka at some point and Kitamura with his look, they're definitely going to get behind. I mean, he might not be a long-term, but I mean, it's a little odd to you that a guy like Kawato, though, let's face it, with his kind of charisma and with the kind of wrestler he is, he doesn't have to win. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I like I like that story, but but when you talk about, I like the story of the guy that's ahead, you know, in in the in, in terms of you know he's been there longer, so he he wins. Like I, I like that story in a vacuum, but then you talk about the difference of a Kawato. When you look at the two guys, and you look at the you know particularly Kawato, and then you look at these two guys with Oka and, and Kitamura, I don't like it as much because it's obvious that those two dudes are are are, are earmarked for for bigger and better things. They they look you know a thousand times better. They're more menacing. They're bigger, obviously. So I. 
think that at some point, you know, the, the being the quote unquote savvy veteran that Kawato is or whatever shouldn't work all the time. It should, the, there should be a little bit more thought of in that for, for his case, because it, like you said, it doesn't matter if he loses. Like if it's a guy that you think you're going to get behind, and it's a decent guy, then yeah, no, you can do that story. But for Kawato, it's a little weird. And I think he almost works better losing. Like that guy could lose for four straight years. And I think people would still be on board with him. Some I like him vibe. better when he loses. Yeah, yeah. He's got that Hanma vibe. He does he, yeah. where it's like, damn it. Like we want to be there for the one time when he wins, but we want the one time when he wins to be a super rare thing. Like, like secretly we don't want him to win, but we want to be there if it does happen. Like that sort of Hanma vibe that you have is cool. And I think Kawato can have that, but yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily like that, that he's on the winning side nearly as much. Cause it's, especially against these two monsters, like these two dudes should be, your most protected young lions more than even anything. just from the perspective of their heavyweights. And he's very clearly a junior. right. Exactly. Right. But, but okay. So they're going to do this young lion cup. Yeah. It's, oh yeah. I was going to say, I was, I forgot to put that in our show notes, but right. So I wanted to bring it up during, you know, this match. Since there's really not a ton to talk about. It was a little five minute match where tens on scored to fall. No big deal. Uh, but they're going to do, it's a six person league. Now people have, you know, with this, they've got this huge group of young lions right now. Um, so they're going to put them in a six person league. It's going to start at the next, um, uh, That's Lionsgate. Lionsgate Project Eight. It's uh, October twelfth is when it's going to kick off. Right. So I guess there'll be three matches on that show to kick off this league. And now, what what I'm interested here in is this is where we'll kind of see where the little mini cast system that we just discussed with the with the young lions will kind of go astray, right? Because I think all these guys are going to beat each other. So um, that's interesting from that perspective. We, we were kind of hoping they would do another Young Lion Cup. I don't think they've done one in, what, 20 years? Maybe not that uh, one. No, it was 2005 was the last one, but uh, Goto was the last years. winner. Yeah, so Goto was the last winner in 2005. Yeah, so uh, they haven't done it in a long time. Um, this is I'm, I'm all pumped up for this. I'm excited. I love watching the Young Lions develop and wrestle. It gives the... Uh, the Lionsgate shows a little juice because they've kind of not had the same, you know, when they, they started way more juice than they have now. I think people have kind of, the novelty has worn off and this kind of brings the uh, the, the Lionsgate shows um, you know, back up to uh, being yeah, first agree. in mind when they're, when you know, if they're going to do this. I don't know if this uh, Young Lions Cup, did they announce the whole schedule or are they going to run I don't know that they did. I, all I remember seeing is that that it was going to kick off October twelfth, but then I don't remember if it said uh, after that what was going to because Lionsgate is bi monthly, and that right. yeah, going to take forever to get through the entire thing. So I would think that they're going to do these league matches on tours, you know, Cork and Hall openers or whatever the case, which is cool too. Because look, I like watching Young Lions anyway, but if there's something at stake in those openers, Rich, you're going to be into that, right? I mean, if oh it, God, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you know, you you know, they're in this league, and there's there's points involved, and you know, you, you know, we we're we're gonna be into that. We're gonna be breaking that down. We're about, you know, Oka needs points here to stay alive against uh, you know, whoever. You know, we're gonna be into that. Red so, Narita. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's it's you know, I'm excited about it. You think Kawato's gonna win? It seems at this point. Um. See, man, but now, this would be a good time to like put the the strap on Oka or or, or, or I mean, we're sh- yeah, the, stri- the the young lion, uh, hyper- the, the rocket ship, <laughs> the old the old Ring of Honor, uh, top of the class trophy. Remember that? Right. Oh yeah, yeah. Bobby uh, you know, and uh, Shane Hagedorn and uh, I know he's not ready, but like the kid, Kitamura with, with him being thirty one, like I wonder if he's a guy that you sort of. I don't know. Like, I, would you do the normal, like, take our time with this guy? Or do you realize, hey, he's 31, and, and let's be honest, you know, with you know, this body type, he's probably not going to be a guy wrestling until he's, you know, in his 50s. Do you maybe go a little fat? Because you have Oka's 26, uh, Kawato's 20, and the other three guys, uh, you got Ren Narito, he's 20. 
Uh, Umino, the, obviously, is the son of uh, Red Shoes. He's only 20, and then Yagi is only 25. So you yeah. got Kitamura, who, who's a full, you know, four years old or five years older, rather, uh, than the next youngest guy. Like, is he a guy that maybe then you say, okay, let's maybe do a little bit more with him? And maybe is this a good opportunity to have him sort of leap above people in, 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 the, in the cast system a little bit? If you're asking me, the answer is yes. If you're asking them, I think they're going to stick to tradition, and I think you're probably going to – he's going to go on excursion and – do all of those things that they do. And I don't think he'll be a push commodity for till maybe 2019, Yeah, you know, at the earliest for please, all these guys, please really, don't, please don't put him in ring of honor. Can, can we just stop sending people to ring of honor? It's, you know, you know, here's the thing. Not working very well, I don't, here's the thing. I get it. I really do. I get it. But at the same time, historically, you can really count on one hand, the number of wrestlers who are, who are treated well on excursions, uh, you know, based in the United States, yeah. Mexico, slightly different deal in recent years. But when you're talking about United States excursions, I mean, historically, I mean, th- th- everyone seems to think that people get pushed like the great Muda, you know, it doesn't yeah, that's happen. one, <laughs> that's one case. And, yeah, and, there, and, there were, and there were others in the territory days, you know, I'm not saying that there weren't of guys who went on excursions. Oh, the territory, the territories, I think are a different animal. Like it's yeah, post, like, you know, 1989. It, it, there really hasn't been anybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, because guys would, you know, Calgary did a good job with guys. In oh, no, no, no. The territory days were awesome. Like, those, those are, that's the, one of the best things ever to go look at, like, you know, your legendary wrestlers and, and, and you know, legendary Japanese wrestlers. Go look at what territories they were in. And you're like, really? Like, he was in that. And then you look at what they did. And they're like, oh, man, he had like a hell of a run there. And, you know, Calgary or Portland or all these weird, you know, places. Yeah. No, they did a great job back in the territory days. They've done less of a good job uh, as of late. I mean, I, I really, like you're saying, one hand, you can pretty much count on Muda and, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean we, 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 we might be forgetting an obvious one. But look, no, the mood, look, the Muda excursion is just that is the that's the aberration, yeah, of of modern day wrestling excursions. I mean, he was a legitimate top guy in that company for six months. He was only there for nine months. People forget that. You know, you think of it, and it's like you think he was there for like two years. You know what I mean? But he was re- he was only there for nine months. But he was top of the card. He was a main eventer and and well earned and well deserved. And the feud with Sting is is legendary, really. I mean, you know, when he wrestled everybody, Flair, Sting, Luger, all the top guys. Um, and he was well advanced at that age, and he he hung with them. I mean, he was you know, with the exception of possibly Flair, probably the best wrestler in the company for those nine months, right? I mean, and then we're not exactly talking about a. a a roster that was thin WCW 89. I mean, geez, you know, is, well, I guess you had steamboat and funk and people like that. I uh, shouldn't discredit, but you know, he's right there with, with anyone. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, you look at other excursions, you know, one that I thought was, went okay was uh go Shiozaki in about 2000. I don't know when they sent him to Gabe, I guess in 2006 ish, I guess it was. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. When he was all big and beefy, the Kente Sasaki ripoff one. I think they did okay with him because remember he, uh, I think he was FIP champion for a while. Yeah, which, no, he, he was doing good stuff. In, in and 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 they were working him into Ring of Honor shows too, where he was kind of like a mid card guy, but he was. Cheap. Yeah, I remember seeing him a lot, not really not necessarily knowing at that point. I really didn't follow Japanese wrestling all that much, but yeah, like you know, I, I remember seeing him as just like a random bit player there. But it wasn't like he was completely nothing. Like he had, he was still a bit player is probably the bad way to say he, he was he was doing something there a little bit more than you know. Yeah, he was involved I, I in things. Yeah, he right, was, right. Yeah, he was in the mix. He was involved in things, which is all you ask. I mean, you don't have to put your world title on these guys You know, when they come in. You know what I mean? It was 2006 when he was sent to uh, Ring of Honor, FIP, places like that. He was FIP champ, wasn't he? Am I, am I, I imagining right. yeah, that? I remember like an Eric Stevens go Shiozaki FIP match. If I, I, could be, and, I could be completely out the lunch on that, but I, I think you're right about the FIP. He would bring the FIP title 
to Ring of Honor shows too, if if I'm not uh, mistaken. Um, yeah, he defeated. I was right. He defeated Eric Stevens. This is 2008. Um, so I don't know if at that point, because 2006 he debuted in Ring of Honor. So I think he maybe just came over by 2008. That might have been later. That might have been when he came on when he came back later, huh? Yeah, because that's when he won the FIP. He um, yeah, it looks like. Well, see the 2006 stuff. He was still a Noah guy at that point, and 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 they and all the matches were in Japan. Yeah, it looks like he didn't come over until 2008 into into America. So I don't know if you count that as necessarily an excursion, but uh, yeah, it's a couple years into the career. So um, yeah, maybe that one. Uh, I don't know. Well, we'll see what the listeners think. I always considered that an excursion because he spent so much time here. Right, uh, right. It felt like an excursion to me. That 2007, 2008 era run that he had in the Gabe promotions. Um, and then I think he worked a bunch of indies around that time too. Cause he was here for, um, cause to me, if you come over and you're not flying back and forth and you're based here, that's an excursion. Right. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? And he was based here, you know, he, yeah, he was doing like the, the L, what was it? WLW, the Harley race company that, that there was a lot of ones coming through that company as well. If you go back yeah. and look, uh, I know Morishima went through, went through that as well. The WLW or whatever. So Noah had a nice little connection. Uh, with them and, and I think they did a pretty good job with them. I think they gave them like you know they were winning world titles there and were pretty big deals. And and again, like we're saying, you don't have to necessarily put the world title on these guys because they're Japanese, but Jesus Christ, can you like do something? I mean, wh- what the hell are the Tempura boys, you know, doing? In, 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 yeah, you know, I just, mean they're they're a prelim tag team, which yeah, which again, I mean, I don't I don't know, it's tricky because I, I I would like to see them do more, but at the same time, I don't think it's that big a deal. I think if you look back in a decade, they're gonna be what they're gonna be in Japan. Regardless of fact whether they were a prelim tag team in Ring of Honor or not, yeah, you're right. I guess Watanabe is going to be our big, you know, Evil's our big example. That, there, where, no, like, see, that's the one. F- that one was criminal because, th- but it the, didn't affect him though. He, he's he's got okay. I mean, now I don't think we care. After King of Pro yeah, Wrestling, exactly. I'm say, yes. are we going to go back and look and go, oh, geez, they really dropped the ball, and they absolutely did drop the ball on him. But and no one could have been treated worse than him. No, that and, was horrendous. and he's tur- and he's turned out fine. But and his treatment was horrendous because. They sent him to Pat Buck first, and and he was. <laughs> I'm serious, and he was. No, I know. We had those jokes. Remember, we were talking about him in battle royals, and it was like, really, like. And we, I suggested, okay, through an intermediary, when they got him, I said, "Look, this guy's good. What you guys should do, and this is a suggestion: push him to the fucking moon. Have him run through. The, you know how long you have him. That's the advantage of an excursion, right?" You know how long you have them. Run them through the whole roster and put the fucking title on them. And then, right before he leaves, beat him. And and at that time they were starting to push Mario Bakura, right? Who's with uh, Impact now? And he had just changed his gimmick to the Mar- to like the Mirko Krokop knockoff thing. Right. You know the Mario Bakura. I was like, and that Bakura beat him. At, you know, and, and get a big win over this guy who was previously unstoppable. You know, and. Yeah, that's the dumbest fucking thing we ever heard. Was like- <laughs> See, but that, and you're saying though, like, and, and that's that's what I would do with these guys is because that's I, I'm exactly man, how if I, I was booking wrestling, I would I would love to know that this guy I'm coming in in April and I'm out of here in June, and I'm like, boom, good, here we go. I can write down your entire story right now and figure yes. it out. Like to me, I love that so much more than a guy that's like, hey, I'm on board for whenever you need me, because that's kind of like ah, you're always there then. Like I can always just whenever I want, I can kind of put you there. You know, if if you get a guy like a, I'm just throwing a name out. 
out here, but like a Ricochet who was like, hey, I'll, I'll do all your shows all the time or whatever. Uh, to me, that's not as interesting. I love like the, the all-time, one of my all-time, all-time favorite bookings is a guy we're going to talk about here a little bit, Gabe Sapolsky, and what he did with Morishima. It was like, look, I got Morishima for X months. This dude's going to fucking push him to the moon. He's going to dominate, and then I'm going to beat him, and then you're never going to see him again, but that guy that beats him is going to look great. And on the way there, he, it's, it's super memorable because it, it's, it goes back to your territory wrestling. Hey, you're coming in for six months. We're going to have you do this. You're going to lose to our baby face, and then you're out of here. Okay, like. That's good. That's a way. That's a fun way to do it because at the end you're doing something. You, you're transferring that over. You have a set time with a guy, and then when he's done, you transfer that to somebody else. And that's what I'm saying with all these guys. You have, and, and again, like Kamatsu and, and Tanaka, whatever. I, I get it, but like a guy like a Jay White, like you could have done something with Jay White over the last year, and he's just kind of there. And like he's having good matches. He's having good stuff. I, I, I don't. I don't think you've watched that before, Dishonor. But he had a great match again with Punishment Martinez. But then he just like loses, and it's just like okay, whatever. It's just Jay White. Like he's just Jay White, a guy. And that's like ah oh, man, like you got to set time with him. Like do, do something in that set time. Like that. That is a luxury to know that you only have somebody for X amount of time. Because it, allow, it allows you to write out an arc, even if it's not what I'm saying, where you, you don't have to put your top belt on these guys. But you can have a story and a plan for him because you know, especially with an indie where your roster is always so in flux. It's such a huge advantage to know this guy's mine until this date. Right. Security and everything else. And to exemplify my point, he ended up wrestling a grand total of four matches uh, with PWS. (laughs) I'm talking about Watanabe, uh, evil. Four matches. He came in his very first match. They put him over. He beat Lance Anoy. Okay, in his first match. Okay, second match he loses to Bakura, and then he was in a like a suicidal six way for their gimmick six way title. Uh, the drunken swashbuckler won that one, uh, Rich. Uh, that six way match, uh, and then in a match that you will not find on Cage Match, but I know for a fact he participated. He was also in a battle royal where he was right. eliminated for his fourth match. I only know that because I was following the promotion very closely and watching all the shows at that time. Um, and then. They didn't use him ever again. And remember, he was specifically sent there by the company. And we know this because we reported that on the show when we found out. And a New Japan wrestler contacted us who he was originally earmarked to stay at this wrestler's home. <laughs> right. And the wrestler said to us, what are you talking about? I guess yeah, are you sure? because my spare bedroom, like we're getting a spare bedroom ready right now for him. He's like, as far as I know, he's coming to my house and he's going to be based in a completely different state and he's going to work all of these NWA shows. And I said, look, dude, as far as I know, I was told he's going to New Jersey. He's going to fucking New Jersey. And he ended up going to New Jersey and the wrestler found out about that from us. So they sent him to New Jersey. So this is how I know he was sent there specifically. He was sent to uh, Sumi Sakai to stay there in New Jersey to work PWS. And they just let him sit on the fucking sidelines. And then she would beg to get, to have this guy booked. Because then he wasn't working. He was just sitting in her house. And then, you know, then, you know, Smash was booking him out of Canada. Biz, you know, Inspire was booking him out of Texas. And he's in New Jersey. And he's only getting bookings in Canada and Texas. And, you know, you know, ACW started booking him in Austin off of, you know, because they saw Inspire was booking him. And I don't need to get into all that. But it's like, it's it, it, because PWS just ignored him. And by the time he got the Ring of Honor, they didn't treat him any better. They just wouldn't book the guy. And when they did book him, they booked him in like dark matches and openers and didn't give him anything to sink his teeth into. He had he was treated so poorly on his excursion. I mean, it really was. He got, uh, you know, he got nothing out of it. He really, he just got nothing out of it. 
And actually, I think that PWS Battle Royal. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I found one more match. This is so random. Two years later in 2015, PWS books him out of nowhere. He loses a uh, PWS television title first round match to Brian Myers of all people. Two years later, after Brian Myers got cut, obviously. I, I'm not saying he shouldn't have lost to Brian. Obviously, PWS was pushing Brian Myers at that time. I have no problem with that. Because then Brian Myers went on to have that feud with Kevin Matthews. Nobody cares. Why am I talking about this? Yeah, yeah. But the point the point here is Watanabe is Watanabe. Actually, that Kevin Matthews feud drew money on an indie level. I mean, they, the Brian Myers, Kevin Matthews, they had a big blow off at the end. And, yeah, nice job with that. But anyway, uh, the, the, the Watanabe thing, I mean, it was just his treatment was horrible. You know, and, and, and that's what we're talking about, these excursions. So anyway, to get back to the original point that we were talking about a million years ago, I do think that they'll send Kitamura on an excursion just like everybody else, even though he's 31 years old. But you're right, the clock is ticking. He's got to maintain that physique. He's yeah, not going to get. Any, he's how much better is he going to get if he's already into his thirties? That's the other thing. Not everyone's a late bloomer. Sometimes you get late bloomers and you get lucky. This guy doesn't have a wrestling background, but you know, it, 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 I, I'm with you. You know, they could miss his physical peak. Is the point right. here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Our, our very long-winded point about the Young Lions Cup, but uh, yeah, did you want to break down the rest of this card uh, quickly? I, I have thoughts about the main event, but pretty much no thoughts about everything else. So I think we could yeah, we we'll, pretty much just go through the rest of the, the show. We could quickly run down everything else. So the, uh, uh, you, do you have it in front of you? Because I lost my page here. Uh, I do. Yeah. So you got um, ten man tag. I mentioned it was Liger, Ricochet, Taguchi, Tiger Mask, Togi Makabe uh, defeating Suzuki Gun as Desperado, Taiichi, Takamichinoku, uh, Azuka, and Kanemoro. As we said, this match. If you really like people shoving things up people's asses, this is your match. If you don't, then eh, might not be your match for you. So. Uh, nothing match. Just kind of, nothing match. Yeah, was, <laughs> that's really all it is. Uh, the Goto Yoshihashi versus Bad Luck Folly and Chase Owens. You mentioned it was it was okay. Goto looked pretty nice, but uh, ultimately, when you saw the King of Wrestling card, you realized it was just a really a needless throwaway match that had no meaning for for anything beyond this entire night. So, right. uh, stuff there. We mentioned Beretta Yujiro. We mentioned the KS uh, winning the tag titles. Uh, you mentioned Tanahashi Elgin versus Finlay and, and, and Kota Bushi. Uh, then you had a six-man tag, uh, Rocky Romero, Tomaru Ishii, and Toru Yano uh, versus Bushi, Sonata, and Naito. This was, I think, a really nothing match as well. I don't know if you had any strong thoughts about it, but uh, nah, yeah, nothing. it was, was kind of in and out, and, <laughs> and everybody, nobody really had their working shoes on. I think like six of the minutes were Yano fucking around, and then that was about it. Uh, then you had Okada, Osprey versus Evil, and, and Hiromu. Uh, solid stuff. I think it built up both of those matches for, for the next show. I mean, nothing to completely go out of your way and see, but I thought it was a nice build. And, and, and Evil and Okada had some nice uh, trade-offs, but it's uh, about all I can really say about that one. Uh, and then the main event, Omega and Juice uh, for the uh, United States title. Of course, Omega wins, defeating Juice. But I thought really the cool story of this entire match is... is you know, we talked about, you know, the biggest match of Juice Robinson's career, and that's been sort of the meme that we've said, you know, for, for every every month for the last year. It's like, oh, this is the biggest match of Juice's career. Well, this is inarguably, you know, no doubt the biggest match he's had, you know, so far, uh, you know, main event for the title or whatever. And I love the way it was worked because in that match itself, you saw the sort of the maturation of a guy who who comes into that match still is kind of the young lion, still a guy that's like in over his head and not quite sure what to do and, and cautious. And he's still, you know, trying to get the crowd on his side and, and kind of an old school baby face, still just kind of a younger guy trying to work his way through his, and, and he tries to be nice and, you know, he doesn't go after Omega's knee because, you know, he, that's not the honorable thing to do. And Omega's obviously rehabbing from his torn meniscus and, and they're playing that up. And Omega did an incredible job of selling throughout. And we're talking about, I'm going to talk about that here in a, in a second, because there's some subtle stuff that he did that, that, that I really did enjoy. But, um, you got juice now that that you know is, he doesn't want to attack the knee, he doesn't want to, and he's trying to win the honorable win. He's just trying to, and like he's trying and trying and trying, and he can't do it. And Omega's just a better wrestler, and he knows he's better. So Juice gets down and fucking chop blocks his knee, and kind of looks at the crowd, and is just like, you know what? 
I, I, I want. I really want to win this match. I, I got to mature. I got, and, and I thought it was so cool that, like, in that moment, you saw a guy grow up. You, you saw him go. You know, I don't need to be the guy that, that that just tries to make everybody happy. I don't have to be the up and comer that's just trying to smile and kiss babies and shake hands and do all that sort of stuff. Fuck that. I want to win this match. I want to win this title. And that shot block was it. That was the one moment. The crowd starts booing. And then Juice, little by little, starts, you know, then he just puts an elbow through the knee and then realizes, okay, you know, I might get this guy if I do this. Then he puts the figure four on the ring pose. And, and then he's just being a total asshole to his knee the rest of the match. And I thought that was just such a cool story to tell. And Omega obviously was the better man on this night and, and defeated him. But I thought just seeing that one little moment where Juice decides, you know what, I don't have to be what you want me to be. I'm going to be who I want to be right now. And I want to win this fucking title right now. And I don't care what it takes. Because I'm, I'm I'm doing it, and I don't care if I have to use his knee, and I don't care if you guys boo me, and I don't care if if, if I'm not the happy go lucky Juice Robinson anymore. I want to win this goddamn match, and like you know, he's not a heel, and it wasn't a big heel turn, but in that moment, you saw that brief thing, and Tanahashi does it all the time too. It was like the thing where it's like, hey, look, you know, at the end of the day, I'm gonna, I'm gonna you know do my air guitar, and I'm gonna you know use your towel to wipe my sweat off. But hell, I want to win this match. I'm gonna do it however I can, and whether you like it or not, I don't really give a shit. I thought that was really cool to see. Yeah, and the two key spots, of course, Kenny Omega kicking out of the Pulp Friction. The Pulp Friction has been putting everybody away. Usually, uh, what's what's the new uh, uh, Haku son? What's his name again? I can't remember his name because uh, uh, Juice Robinson's been beating him like a drum on every night of the tour, beating him with the Pulp Friction. What's his really, name right now? Uh, Tonga Leo? Leo. That's it, Leo, Leo, yeah. Yeah, so uh, you know they've really gotten the pulp friction over, and and Kenny kicking out of it, I thought, was sort of a sign of okay. Um, again, we talked about the finisher protection in New Japan, so Kenny kicking out of it is sort of okay. This guy's not quite at the uh, championship level yet, and then Kenny using the uh, and then Juice getting putting Kenny up on the top rope, but then Kenny using the avalanche one wing angel to put away Juice Robinson, which was an incredible spot. There was also the suplex off the apron onto the floor earlier in the match, uh, which I thought was sick. So there was a lot of good stuff here. You're, oh, Kenny Omega is always going to work hard. You never have to worry about that. And, uh, you know, another good showing for Juice in the singles match. I thought you made a lot of good points. And, uh, you know, no problem with him losing here, obviously. Not his time yet. Kenny Omega will now defend. I believe he's defending this title against Yoshihashi in Chicago, correct? Yes, he is. Yep, I'm going to watch it live. It's pretty excited about and that. <laughs> these matches these matches may or may not have been flip-flops. Had Ring of Honor not <laughs> opened their stupid mouths. It may have been the Juice Robinson match in his hometown in Chicago, right? Yep. Uh, is it his hometown or did, was he just based there as an indie wrestler? Right? Uh, no, he's from here. He's from here. I mean, he's not from. He's from a, a suburb, but it's essentially, yes, he's from. He's from Chicago. I mean, he's from this area. He's he, you know, Joliet, which is is yeah, like thirty minutes away from Chicago. So yeah, no, he he's he's a Chicago kid. Yeah, but he came up in the Chicago Indies. At yeah, right. AEW did it all. Yeah, yeah. No, he's, he's Which Chicago a lot of people Indies. don't remember. A lot of people think he's a WWE factory guy. No, no, no. Juice, Juice Robinson. <laughs> that was his name too. It was. Uh... Yeah, and and and, a lot, and I remember when he when they when he came to New Japan and and people were like, ah, oh, what a stupid name they gave. It's like, no, dude. This was he was an indie wrestler. You know, people never made that connection between CJ right. Parker and uh, and the indie wrestler because he wasn't a huge indie name. He was kind of no, like, no, no. He stayed pretty much local for a while, yeah. And he was, and he worked all of those promotions. He worked AAW and all those uh, top local promotions. But correct me if I'm wrong, because you were going to the shows, obviously. But he was kind of a mid Carter then, right? He never was like a top level. No, yeah, I'm trying to remember what what you know if I saw any matches where he was like, uh, or, you know, really on top, or even a, a show that I went to where he was on top. I think. Yeah, he had done, I think maybe won the, the, the tag titles in AEW or something like that, if I remember correctly. But yeah, most of really, it wasn't like, yeah, it wasn't a top tier guy. It wasn't like he was winning world titles and, and, and main eventing these shows. I mean, he was a guy that was just kind of there 
along for the ride doing stuff with, with, with Dreamwave and AEW and, you know, IWA Mid-South and those sort of things. But yeah, not a guy that was like in any way a, a featured commodity. Right, but a guy with halfway decent size who got noticed by the right person, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. that's basically what it comes down to. So, um, you know, I'm pulling it up now, his title history, and no, he never held a title, a regional okay, yeah, title. I was trying to remember if he ever did, but... At least nothing that was on the map, because uh, anything above cage matches radar, which is basically any indie that draws 50 people, right? I mean, so um, the only title he's ever held was, uh, you know, WWE developmental tag team titles with various people, so... Yeah. He actually held the FCW tag titles with uh, with Tangaloa with uh, Donnie Marlowe, right? That is who that who is. is that? Yeah, I it don't is. remember Donnie Marlowe. Do- Donnie Marlowe is a uh, Camacho. Oh, Tangal- why was he Donnie Marlowe? Terrible. Name. Donnie Marlowe. Yeah, you don't remember that? You don't remember know, that before he was horrible uh, name. God, FCW. Jesus, Christ, yeah, their names. Donnie Marlowe. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. That was before the Camacho gimmick with Hunico. He was Donnie Marlowe. I'm surprised you don't remember that because I still so remember. <laughs> Donnie Marlowe. Did he have a really shitty picture? Like, you know, those FCW pictures were always the best. Oh, of course. Like, yeah. Absolute garbage. Like, okay, so he had a shitty picture too. More trivia. It. You know who he he held those titles twice? His other partner, Jason <laughs> Jordan. How about that? Jason Jordan and CJ Parker. <laughs> Jason Jordan. So there you go. But yeah. Um, oh, God. Donnie yeah, Marlo. I like it. Wh- I'm looking at the, the image now. Why was his name Donnie Marlowe? Who He's knows? Clearly a Tongan guy. Like, why was he just Donnie Marlowe? Donnie Marlowe. Who knows? I don't know. Donnie Marlowe. That when you think of Donnie Marlowe, do you think like built Tongan guy? Like, I don't. No. You know what I think? Like a lounge singer. <laughs> yeah, like like a like your grandma loves Donnie Marlowe. Like yeah. like she has cassettes of Donnie Marlowe at her house, like laying out butterfly you know. collar lounge singer. <laughs> right. Exactly. He's he's opening for Tom Jones on the Vegas Strip. Right. Like they only Donnie the bar Marlo. you go to only has seven sevens. Like that. I, I got you. Probably wouldn't get that joke, but that's. Rich, just because I don't drink doesn't you know, mean that okay. I don't understand your alcohol humor. Okay, pal. Okay, I've been around the block. I've seen people do it all. He but uh, Agent T too. What the fuck? Have you seen know. this Agent T thing? That he's I have like a secret agent. He's got like a suit on and like an earpiece. Again, not a gimmick you'd give a, a strapping, uh, you know, uh, Tongan. I don't wouldn't think. But uh, oh, God. what are you gonna do? But uh, listen. Now he is literally God. So, yeah, so he's really come up in the uh, gimmick rankings. You know, I'm watching the Okada Osprey versus Evil and Hiromu match as we speak. It's the only match I haven't seen. I love the intensity of this match coming out of the gate. Okada. Yeah, no, there was definitely. And that, like, the match itself isn't going to blow you away, but there was, there was an intensity from the beginning to end that, that is pretty fun. Yeah, Okada insisting to start the match with his uh, taped up neck going right after evil with all his signature stuff, missing the, uh, a very violent looking rainmaker. Then Osprey and Hiromu come in and they run through a bunch of hot sets. Those Osprey spots outside on the apron, they never fail to pop me. And now uh, evil is now working over Okada here on the outside with the chairs and whatnot. This is a pretty good match so yeah, far. No, it's, fun. But, uh, it, it, it's not bad. It's not going to blow you away, easily, but it, it's easily the best destruction show. Oh, I no, mean, far and away. It's not even close. Uh, you know, and it's not even that great of a show, but it's easily, uh, you know, t- to me, you get the two singles matches. I really love that tag match. It looks like this is developing into a pretty good tag match, too. So, so there you go. Um, that's destruction. Yeah, re- really quickly, I do want to mention, I mentioned the, the, the leg selling on Omega. And it's one thing that he's mentioned in interviews, too, is that he kind of is bored of, like, the pro wrestling. Like, I shake my knee, I hit my knee, like, I limp all the time thing. Yeah. And and he's always said that, like, you know, I, I, I used to play hockey, and I would have a lot of knee injuries. And there's a certain thing there's a way that you would get through those without, you know, shaking your knee and, and holding it every two seconds. Like that's what in, in pro wrestling, we've sort of understood that if you're selling a knee, 
you either a can't use your leg anymore you have to writhe in pain you have to hold it the entire time and omega worked to this match in a way where where you know when, when he was down he would kind of look at it and you do it but when he was up like it, it wasn't so much of a limp as like an overcompensation on other body parts or there was like a thing where he would hit it kind of awkwardly and fall a weird way or or not quite be able to lift you but he would try but have like shaky legs about it and stuff like a really interesting way to sell where, where a lot of guys just go to the standard like hold my leg grab my leg like scream in pain uh and limp thing and, and i thought he did a pretty cool job here of, of selling it in, a, in a, a different style than you're sort of used to when, when, when guys sell knees and 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 he's mentioned too that that's how he likes it because he he uses his old sports experience where it's like you know no I, I used to work on a, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd play on a hurt knee, but, you know, there's ways that you would overcompensate and, and things that were, you were obviously doing when your knee hurt that made it obvious that your knee was hurting without, you know, screaming, ow, my knee every single Tuesday. Look, Omega is a creative guy. He's a brilliant guy who's going to do different things in that ring. Some of it's going to land, some of it's not. And uh, lately, most of it has been landing. So I am all about finding new and creative ways to sell I am all about finding new and creative ways to work matches. I don't, you know, I'm all about, you know, things progressing, things evolving. You know that. So I got no problem. That's why I like Omega so much. You know, he's not afraid to try new things, do different things, even if it doesn't always work. Um, so I, I, you know, he's, if anyone is going to throw the old ways of selling an E, uh, on the wayside, it's going to be Omega. Another thing too, I'm glad you brought that up because there was a point I wanted to make that I would have forgotten about new Japan. Very good at blurring the lines. We talk about, um, you know, whether or not a lot of their injuries are worked or legit. Now we know he legitimately had knee surgery on that meniscus and they work this match around the knee. The one thing new Japan will do is they will not ignore their wrestlers, legitimate injuries. And, you know, they'll, they'll focus a match around that injury, which is why it, it's kind of blurry sometimes when they claim, this is why they can get away. Why right. a Tanahashi or like somebody going to have a, an injury that could heal in six weeks, and he's now in what month six of, of his bicep injury. But you know, hey, it works. That's why they can get away with the new work being the old work. Yeah, Okada play- throws a piece of tape yes. on his neck, and everybody's like, "Oh my god, this is so brutal." Yeah, it's because the when they do shit like this, where you know they they build a match around a legitimate, it makes it a lot easier to work you. Uh, and, which is why I'm thoroughly convinced that there's been times where these injuries have not yeah. been on the up and up. Joe, what does athletic tape on your neck do? You're a man. You're an athletic it, it man. Tells so. audience, <laughs> like, it, it tells the audience, ow, this yeah, hurts. What do three strips of loosely applied athletic tape mean? Because that, that shit, like, he sweats in two seconds, and the thing's, like, flapping in the air and, like, yeah. falling off or whatever. Like, it, it's, doesn't, it's doing nothing. It's it obviously not doing anything. Like, right? Yeah, no, I agree, and it's awesome. And that's that's what I mean when I love people going, like, oh, this is brutal. I can't believe he's working through an injury. And it's like, eh, you know. It hurts a little bit, but I, I don't think the three pieces of athletic tape really need to like mean that. If he's in a neck, if he's in a you know in a brace and he's doing this, then okay, I can see it. But yeah, it's like a little piece of athletic tape. Like maybe, maybe he's maybe he's playing it up a little bit. I don't know. Maybe wrestling is in some way designed to you know possibly present that somebody is in danger when they're really not. I don't know. I, it's you, you don't I don't say. Know. I don't know. I don't you know. Say. It's 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 weird. I'm not sure, but you know, from time to time, I've seen it in, in this pro wrestling game. So you know. But, uh, but yeah, well, uh, that's New Japan Destruction and Kobe. I think we got some other good topics to get to, though, Joe. Before we do that, I do want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by our good friends at Dollar Shave Club. And by now, everybody knows that Dollar Shave Club ships amazing razors for just a few bucks. Uh, both Joe and I have been members for quite a while, and we both love our shaves with Dollar Shave Club. What you might not know, and we did not 
before this is that Dollar Shave Club also has products for pretty much everything else in your bathroom, whether it's body wash, shampoo, hair gel, lip balm, everything at the store. There are too many options. You can't tell the difference between any of them. You know, you're trying to get stuff for your bathroom when there's, you know, six aisles of crap, whatever. You don't have to do that. Then if you have a question, no one's going to help you. No one's going to help you. You don't have to do it with Dollar Shave Club. Dollar Shave Club makes it easy and convenient for you to upgrade your shave and your bathroom as well, just like the razors. Everything is super high quality and left me and Joe looking and feeling amazing from premium ingredients to sophisticated scents. Dollar Shave Club is changing the game. And if you're like us and sick of the nonsense of the store, now is time for you to try out Dollar Shave Club. For a limited time, Dollar Shave Club is giving away, basically giving away, their shit shower and shave starter set. That is really hard to say. Eventually, I'll get to it. Two new members for only five bucks. This starter set features their executive razor, a three trial size versions of their most popular products, that help you stay fresh and clean in your first box. You're going to receive the shea butter, Dr. Carver shea butter we talked about, uh, body wash, and then the famous, we talked about it last week a lot, the One Wipe Charlie's Butt Wipes. Incredible. Peppermint flavor. Have you used yours yet, Joe? I have used the peppermint flavored butt wipes. I yes, have. and, and, and what, was the, what was the feedback? How, how great did your butt feel after the uh, One Wipe Charlie? It felt and tasted like peppermint. <laughs> You'll also receive, I'm just going to let that go, you'll also receive their executive razor. Oh, by the way, your, your plan did not work last night, or uh, last week. Mostly because it was too late and she fell asleep. But uh, yeah. so you, but, oh well, listen. I wasn't gonna try. No, I wasn't gonna try. But <laughs> yeah, like, for, I, I, I can't possibly. Yeah. No. After I'm done doing this, do you think that? Do you honestly think after I've just got done saying, "Honey, go sit in the other room while me and this dude from Jersey talk for three hours about pro wrestling," the, the Jersey thing—that's a sideswipe. I shouldn't. I, the, the, where you're from does not matter at all, Joe. But you know, what I mean, like, I, I, it's very hard to after that three hours go like, "All right, you ready to do this thing? Let's go." It's now it's you're like, gonna eat my butt. Is what yeah, like right, like that's kind of hard to go from. Like it's mostly okay. like I thought you said it'd be three hours. That was like three and a half. I'm like, well, you know, Joe was talking before and after. Like that's pretty much what I get from afterwards. And then like I'm hungry or I'm tired or I'm already asleep type thing. So it's it's a little tough. But so uh, no butt eating going down. No, no, no. Maybe uh, maybe another time. And the peppermint flavor could. Well, we'll see it. You know, it's not it's not the end of the it's not the end. Of, we still have uh, I still have two of those. So we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, all right, all right. <laughs> Keeping one, I put one in the special slot. <laughs> one of my Charlie's butt wipes. You also received their executive razor which includes their premium weighty handle and a focus set of cartridges after the first box replacement cartridges are sent for only a few bucks per month and this offer is exclusively available at dollarshaveclub.com slash voices that's dollarshaveclub.com slash voices dollar shave clubs high quality products will have you covered from face to cheeks oh it's from face cheeks to butt cheeks i always, I always mess it up from face cheeks to butt cheeks there's no better time to try the club so that's dollarshaveclub.com slash voices exclusively at dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. So it's a good, good little deal there for you. What the hell were they thinking giving us uh, an ad read with butt wipes? I mean, did they, they knew. They, they had to have known. They, they, they not know who they're dealing with here. And then, like, the butt cheeks part, like, I kind of laugh at, like, for some reason, butt cheeks makes me laugh. Like, it's just so weird. Like, like why would I laugh at the, 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 the term butt cheeks? But it's like, I don't know. It's, it's just kind of. Do you laugh when you hear butt cheeks? I don't know. That's you know, butt cheeks. I don't know, Rich. It's kind of silly. Like no one says butt cheeks. I haven't heard anybody it's, say butt cheeks in a while. It's it's, it's, it's tricky ad read, but uh, you know that shit I, shower I, shave I, starter set is, is really. I gotta shit stop shower shit, and that's exactly what the copy says. And I'll say <laughs> I did hear one national radio host who had a very similar uh, ad read. How does he handle the uh, the asterisk instead of the I that they uh, they they give he us? He won't say it, and he will not say butt wipes. Oh, really? Oh, nope. boo. I don't want to say who it is, but he will not even say butt wipes. He will, uh, 
He's he he he. I forget how, he has a creative way of getting around it. He he mentions uh, the other two products, and he says, and a product which I will not. Man, like he just says something to get out of. Uh, well, we will. We have, we do not care. We can, I have no problem. We can have we have exclusively a butt wipe ad read, but I think we'd be perfectly fine. I would love to do a butt wipe ad read. Yeah, well, let's talk to them. But dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. You can get that offer. Good little starter set there to get uh, get your shave in your bathroom all together. Dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. So Joe, um, no, so here's the thing. We have to go over quickly. Uh, the king of pro wrestling. Oh, sure. Yeah. Got, no, yeah. Because I'm annoyed about something. Okay. And, uh, you know, you? I, <laughs> Joe Lanza, you know, okay. All right. Believe me. I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm very uh, annoyed about something here. Um, I do not like that. You're doing Willow spray versus Kushida for the junior title. And I have a big problem with this. Number one, it looked like they were building the spray versus Hiromu. I thought that's what we were going to get on this show. And I know right. <laughs> yeah. the winner was going to face Kushida at power struggle or wherever the fuck. Okay. Um, then many people were saying, well, then what do you do with Kushida? Who cares? Put him in a tag in the prelims. It does, does it matter what you do with Kushida at that point? Okay. But, but I'm annoyed because they sort of had the three-way showdown at one of these endless destruction shows and they had Willow spray knock out Hiromu. I don't have a problem with that. Okay. Uh, but my problem is Willow spray has faced Kushida what four times now. So, this will be the. I think is this the fourth or has there been four already? Well, I, there's I, been. Forget. I think there's been three in New Japan because he lost two title matches to him. He lost the Super Junior Final to him. Right. And he's also counting, if you listen to his promos, a match he lost in Europe in the in the uh, World Cup of wrestling. Oh, you're right. He did come out there and say you beat me four times already. But so once he injects the charm. Well, here's <laughs> the thing. Once you inject that into a New Japan promo, it's now part of New Japan canon. Do you agree right. with me? Correct. Yeah, no, no, I agree. Yeah. Okay. So what they're saying here is, okay, that he he's law he's 0-4 against this man. The last time they faced each other, he lost to the man in the Super Junior Finals. What is he hasn't won a singles match since. What is the basis of him getting this title shot? Knocking out Hiromu when they had a three-way stare down? Rich, I hate it. This is terrible booking. I can't stand it. It's this is terrible booking from a uh, creative, from a continuity standard, from an aesthetic standard. That a guy, Kushida owns this man. Did he pin Kushida in a tag match, Rich? Hmm. He did not. I'm Kushida. trying to remember if he didn't. Yeah, because he's, he's been doing stuff with Hiromo, right? Kushida's yeah, he's been gone. Right. Oh Kushida's yeah, duh. Yeah, he hasn't been there. Or... Yeah, duh. Yeah. He just walked did out. He beat, <laughs> did he beat Hiromu in a hard-fought singles match to become number one contender? Well, he, he knocked him down. I guess that guy, he ran out before uh, Hiromu did and, and started cutting a promo about how he loses all the time. So I guess that right. Well, so yeah. he he did not. Did he? Uh, uh, did, did, has he beaten Kushida in the past to justify this? <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> His justification is I've never beaten you, which is just silly. It's like no. I okay. It, it, like, it, it, thank you. His justification, the justification for this match, the build for this match is, I can't beat you, so I want a title shot. What the fuck is that? <laughs> and, and listen, I've been, who has been screaming louder than Joel Lanza that they need to push Will Ospreay? Nobody. They've been letting this guy waste away. I've been begging for them to push this man. So it's not like I don't like the guy. It's not like I don't think he deserves the push. But here's the thing. I think he's winning. I think he's winning, which is even more ridiculous. Because if you're going to do this match, he's got to fucking lose. He has to lose. 
lose. Keep the story going. Let him go 0-5. Shit, I don't care if he never beats the guy in his career. But you can't have him come into this match 0-4 as the story without doing anything to earn the title shot. Rich, I don't ask for a lot. Give me a crumb. I'm not asking for the whole fucking cake. All I want is a crumb. Give me any justification for this man getting a title shot. There is none. And that's a big problem here sometimes. I I am so tired of, I'm the guy who comes down the aisle after you win your last match, so I, I get the next title shot. I'm so sick of that. And in a case like this, there's no justification for it. Storyline, right. and, and like you're saying too, you know, for people that didn't see it, you know, Hiromu runs out, and 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 the announcers like, oh, Hiromu's going to be in this match too, but then Osprey knocks him down, and then because Hiromu didn't get a chance to either, I guess, stare long enough or grab a microphone and say something that he never had his chance. So then he threw like a hissy fit in the ring because he didn't get the chance to get in the match. Right. So it's like, right, like, right. What are we doing? <laughs> like, like a, like a top. You do like a legitimate, like 10 year old hissy fit, which, which looked ridiculous too. Yeah. The other two guys left and said, okay, I'll see you in, you <laughs> right, know, in, in King yeah. of Pro wrestling. And then he, when he woke up from his knockout blow, yeah, he threw a fit like a two year old toddler. And this leads me to my other point. What the fuck are they doing with Hiromu? You know, I Rich, I warned every. Did I not warn everybody? Well, Joe, I believe if, I uh, if we roll back everybody? the tape about forty minutes ago, you said something about how uh, Gato doesn't book the uh, juniors how you want them, but books them well. Yes, I'll remind you. There's a difference. No, you're not understanding what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, I don't think he ignores the singles juniors the way that he ignores the two tag team titles. I just don't think people like what he does, but I don't think he's actively ignoring it. Does that make sense? I think. Uh, he, yeah, but I don't know. I, I guess I was saying that he's not ignoring it, but that it's just bad. And it's just, no. I, 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 that's, I, listen, I'm not arguing that. I, I see I'm what saying, you're saying though. I, you're saying that like at the end of the day, he just throws three names. Into, yeah. Okay. I, I see what you're saying. Okay. That's, I that's a think, distinction. Okay. Yeah. I do think it gets attention. I just don't think a lot of it is, is pleasing to the, I don't think what he does is pleasing like shit like this, but I don't think it's just, attentionless like the junior tag titles are where it's just oh fuck whatever you know what i mean but but yeah but this is terrible what to do with hiromu and and i feared this i really feared this and i know people do not want to hear this and i don't give a shit how many angry tweets i get the start of this shit was daryl the start of this fucking shit with the way they're treating hiromu was daryl the moment he started carrying around a stuffed animal was the moment that he went from a potential future main eventer to a guy that you cannot take seriously at that level. And I know people don't want to hear that. I know people love the Daryl. Oh, it's so funny. Oh, fucking Daryl. Fale ripping up Daryl. Oh, he's petting a stuffed cat. It's so. I'm sorry, but that is not a main event gimmick. It's not. It's a prelim fucking gimmick. If I can go full Jim Cornette here. It's a preliminary fucking gimmick to carry around a stuffed animal. Okay? This guy had superstar potential and was being treated like one. Go look at the booking. Pull up your little cage match. The guy never lost a match. He didn't even lose tag matches. Okay? All of a sudden, he loses the title. He starts carrying around a stuffed cat. And now he's a comedy act. Rich, he's a comedy act. And no yeah, one can tell me different. He's a cartoon character. He's right a now. fucking cartoon character right now. And it all started with Daryl. Okay? Because the Daryl thing got over. But it got over in all the wrong ways. Because now you can't get... Now they've gone... It's like... The, it, this is, an, this is like a subtlety hammer thing from another company. Mm-hmm. 
okay? And now this guy is like a parody of himself. He was like, he used to be this weird, mysterious, creepy guy who had no regard for his body and he was kind of crazy and he, he fucking, he would, but he'd win all his matches and he was a lunatic and it was like, you were kind of scared of him because he was off kilter. You know what I mean? You know what the best fucking comparison, you know what he, he was Dean Ambrose before they fucked him up. He's kind of this creepy guy, you know? Yeah. And then it's like, then now they've gone too far with it. There's he's a lot of some shit. He's there. in some shit. Like, you know, Dean yeah. Ambrose. So like, he, Dean Ambrose, you don't know what he does in the, on the weekends, but you know it's not good. Like, and it, you don't want to know. And you yeah, don't, you don't wanna... ask. You're like, how was your weekend? He was like, good. You're like, that's ah, fine. You, you did some shit, and I don't even yeah, want to know. Don't tell me the fucking stories. <laughs> right. Like, then he loses the title. He starts carrying around a stuffed cat. It's too cutesy. It's cartoon shit. Now he's throwing temper tantrums in the ring, and he's treated like a third fiddle in that entire scenario. Okay, he's doing weird shit like crawling around on his belly and calling Willow spray a cat. Rich, he's a comedy act now, and it's depressing because this was a guy, like I said, was billed fourth from the top of the dome, was working semi-main events with the junior title. Again, this is why I disagree, and I, I see you know that you see the distinction I was making. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah, I got you now. But he was working semi-main events with the junior title. And winning all his matches and dominating, he should have never lost that match to Kushida. There was no reason to lose that title back to Kushida. He should still be champion now. He should still be the champion now. And I, I, I still maintain he should have lost the title to Osprey eventually. Because then you could do the Kushida comeback story against Osprey, who Osprey has never beaten. And you have a nice little story there. And then you can save Kushida and Hiromu's next series for later. Whether you do it at Dome or whatever. Right now should be uh, you know, the Osprey Hiromu stuff. But the, getting back to Hiromu, they've ruined this guy. I don't, and they're getting to the point, they're starting to get to the point where they cannot come back and he is just going to be a comedy junior. I don't want another Ryusuke Taguchi on the roster, okay? Because that's not a main event talent. And Taguchi knows that. And Taguchi's a guy who they wanted to move the heavyweight years ago and didn't want it. Well, you know what? Fuck him then. If he's comfortable being a prelim guy, good for him. He's got a nice, safe, comfortable job for many years, but he didn't want it, okay? This guy could have been a main eventer. He could have been a main eventer. He could have been a real big deal, and I'm concerned that they can never get that back, and it seemed like that was the path they were on, yeah. and it all started with Daryl. It started with losing to Kushida, and it started with Daryl, and, and I'm sorry. That little cutesy stuffed animal shit is not a main event shit. It just isn't. It's shit that you do with prelim wrestlers to get prelim wrestlers over. I don't have a problem with it on a prelim wrestler. I don't. There's room for everything. I, I don't have to like it to accept that there's room for it. Yano is a perfect example. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think the thing with Daryl, too, and, and people are going to bring it up as well and say, oh, you know, people that have, you know, anxiety and depression or whatever, they like to, you know, hold on to things or they, you know, when they lose stuff, they they, they grab another position. And, like, that's fine. There's all these, these actual things for why he decided to care. The problem was, though, is... As you're saying, it's it's not necessarily that he had a cat. It's that the subtlety hammer was, oh, okay, and people really like this cat thing. And it's like, okay, well, now let's go all board with it. Like, you can have him come out with a cat and still be the same guy. Like, he's just kind of a weirdo, and you just say, oh, geez, why has he got a cat? Or but the fact was, then it became, like, this cat was everything about him. And the people were throwing cats at him and buying cats. And, and everybody was talking about Daryl. And he was – everybody the matches were focused around him. And, and, and it's become a character, and they've gotten rid of it. But they haven't gotten rid of the, the cartoon aspects of it as well. And there was there was a way where you could have done the Daryl thing and it really had been a, a, a pretty cool story. But I'm with you. It, it, it slowly veered into cartoon character. 
And and regardless of where you know that he still carries it around, they still haven't gotten him out of cartoon character. And that's the worry is that now when do you flip that switch where he gets away from that and he's not just a petulant little child? I, I, to, to me, we're getting to the point where it's almost too late. Right. And, and the way the problem, too, is because people bring it up and they're saying, oh, well, you know, he's a guy that has you know anxiety. He's got these little things. He's got the, these issues. But the problem, though, is is that's not how New Japan saw it. They saw him as he's carrying around a cat because he's like a literal child. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's sort of what they've done with it. Whether that was the intention initially or not, the, he, now he's like 10 years old. And that's kind of what they've been doing with him recently when that's not what it was before. He was just a weirdo. I, I don't the weirdo is probably not the right word. He, he was kind of a weird dude, but like a guy, like an eccentric guy, like a guy that you didn't quite understand. Like he was kind of he in his own little world. Yeah. He was off balance. He was a fucking nut. Right. Which is, it, it is a cool little story to tell. And then it made sense that then he loses the title and then looks to have anything to have possession of. And even, regardless of if it's a stuffed cat or whatever, the problem though is that new Japan and the fans attributed stuffed cat to like a child. And, and childlike tendencies, and now he's been a child, and now he's a ten-year-old child, and now he's throwing hissy fits in the ring and 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 stomping down like he's the you know like it, 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 so and that's problem they haven't gotten away from that. Yet. And and, I'm, and look, I'm not saying he's not over, but it's it there's a there is a definite cap on how on how far up a card you can go doing a gimmick like that. It's just a fact, right? Tomohiro Ishii doesn't you know throw a hissy fit if he loses the match. No, and, and, you don't. And you stomp don't around the ring. He beats the fuck out of Naito, which he did uh, <laughs> at Kobe. He lost the match and just went, "You motherfucker!" Just like slapped him for ten minutes. So show me the serious main eventer that carries a stuffed animal to the ring. And I it just it it's not a main event gimmick. Yeah. And and that's the bother here. It wouldn't bother me if it was a prelim guy who I just saw as a prelim guy. It bothers me because this was a potential top guy. Um, who seemed to be on that path. They were already putting him in semi-main events. He was on fire. He was over without doing this, so why do it? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like this is a, is, was a wrestler that needed some kind of boost. No, and, that's and the again, other. Like, I don't think that was the intention was not have the stuffed cat and this is going to be your new thing. I think it just kind of grew I think it took on the and, life of its own. I exactly, agree. yeah, yeah, right. And it took on a wrong, and it's veered him in the wrong direction, and now I think he's playing to it. And mm-hmm. I think that's a mistake on his part, too. It's a mistake on his part. It's a mistake on his boss's part. They got to get this guy back on the right path. I want to see the guy who you were afraid might pull out a knife and stick you. You know what I mean? Like, I want that guy back who was a little dangerous. Well, the time bomb. I mean, he came in as the time bomb. And exactly. Like, you watch those vignettes, and it's, it, you can't imagine that the same person that's rolling around the ring when he no, does you can't. what he wants. Like, no, you can't. I want the guy who you're afraid is going to pull a switchblade on you in an alley. Right. That's what I want. That was the guy that was on the right path. Uh, you know, I think they're throwing away money. I really honestly believe that. I think this guy could have been, you know, a, a headlining junior or even potentially a heavyweight headliner down the line. I really yeah. firmly believe that. And I'm just disappointed in all of this. Not that I'm not going to watch this Kushida Osprey match. And it's, you know, it's going to be great. When do they not have great matches together? You know? So, um, but I just, there's no storyline basis for it. And, um, you know, I'm just sickened. I'm sickened with the direction of Hiromu. You know, he's working the fucking opener on this show. And, uh, you know, if if not for Bushi, he'd be taking the fall. You know what I mean? It's like your Leo Tonga, he'd be taking the fall. So uh, you know that's your opener, Fale Tonga and Yujiro, uh, You know versus uh, you know Sonata and the two Lij Juniors. Total throwaway match. Why? Because he got knocked out, and you know I, I thought they were going to do a three way match. You know, which wouldn't have made me happy either. But it would have been a, <laughs> it would have been a better scenario than this. The best scenario would have been Osprey versus Hiromu, number one contender. I would have settled for the three-way. This is this is fucking from a booking perspective. This is just shit. Just let you know, so, we have about an hour and a half left, so we'll have to we'll have to go through this kind of quickly because we we'll get to it on in more well, we detail later. Go, yeah. we, don't, we don't have to go through the whole card. I just wanted to touch on. A few yeah, no, no, then. I think you're right about that. I mean, that that's that's a huge disappointment. 
And then Okada, they're going to do the Okada evil match here, obviously, and the Naito Ishii match for the case. So this is going to be a good show. And then uh, the other big thing was they're not doing Tanahashi Ibushi on this show. They're going to save Tanahashi Ibushi for power struggle. I'm guessing is the main event. I would assume so. Yeah, I, I, I would assume. That's, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't use that. I mean, that's a pretty big deal match. Have, have yeah. that be your main event. You don't have to waste that. And up. maybe Naito does another briefcase match. I don't know. Um, but I don't know. But yeah, so it looks like that's what they'll do there. I, I think Osprey's beating Kushida though, but we'll talk about it in more detail, I guess. As yeah, it's kind of hard to go back from that. It's kind of hard to have him be like, "All right, you beat me six times, but this time I got it." Like then, yeah, then you're. You're getting kind of crazy here. Uh, we do need to do this. We have we have two huge topics to get to, but I I know that we cannot possibly skip this without getting people upset. Uh, Pursing Noah, great voyage in Yokohama, Volume Two, Joe. What a we show! Again, we can't skip it again. October first, Sunday, October first of this weekend. Uh, of course, in Yokohama, Pursing Noah, Joe. This show is fucking the greatest show in the history of the world. Like I I, I don't care how it, it, it this is it, this is my favorite show all year. Just on paper, like I don't know. It's probably not going to be that great. Looks pretty solid, but the, the the card is incredible. It's it's unbelievable. It's such a wacky show. I mean, this is the this is a fire. We talk about Fire Pro random button matches. This is a Fire Pro random button show. I mean, I feel like they just hit the random button on it. Some <laughs> each of the, subsequent match is like, oh my god, oh my god. Like you do that, like you think that it's Pete, and then the next match comes. You're like, no, that's the best match. No wait, no, that one is. It's it's incredible. And Scott Demore is off the show. No, I know. I don't even know why we're previewing it anymore. But Scott Demore is off the show, so they had to reshuffle things. Uh, very disappointing. But uh, yeah, let's break this baby down because I cannot wait for this thing. I don't know when it's airing, um, but I, you know, when it does, I, you know, I'm clearing my schedule to watch this thing. This is just wait. Do you, wait do you hear this lineup? <laughs> you got it in front of you. Yeah, I do. Oh, okay, I see yeah, what's happening yeah. here. I see what's happening here. Rich is afraid to try to pronounce half of these names. Yeah, I don't know who half these fucking guys are, so yeah. So did you see what he pulled there? Oh, he, yeah, yeah. He wants me to do this. Yeah, Because he can't pronounce it. Okay, so the opener, we've got Yoshinari Ogawa, Saya Murahashi, and Ashley Istria, which is that big Australian dude that they've been booking. He's uh, not Maseo, Scott Moore, by the way. That's that's who's not Scott Moore. Right that's right. right. Versus Maseo Inoue, uh, Tadasuke, or... Uh, Tadusuke, whoever you want to say that. Tadusuke, everyone knows what I'm talking about. And uh, Junta Miyakawa. All right, that one got me. Uh, <laughs> Junta Miyawaka. Mio- Junta Miyawaki. I know nothing about Junta I don't know, Yeah, I don't know anything either. Do so. you know anything about Junta Miyawaki? I have, I have no clue who that is. So I mean, I'm familiar with all these other men. But I'm interested in that now because I, I like I like people that I don't know. So we'll Yeah, see. so uh, I, I, I can't tell you. I, listen, I can't pretend to know a thing about uh, Miyawaki. Uh, have the producer pull him up because I'm curious. Okay, yeah, let's, um, let's call him and see. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be on much stuff, but uh, let's see. He's a, a rookie as of this year. It looks like he's a Noah rookie. Does that sound about right? He's, oh, a, he's in Noah. So have, he's I've, a Noah guy, apparently. I've never seen the man. Yeah, I never so. have either. So I don't know if his stuff hasn't made tape or hasn't aired. But yeah, he's a uh, he's a Noah guy. Uh, looks like he debuted either July or, or so. So he's he's super young. Okay, only a couple matches. Yeah, on his belt. Like he's only a few, yeah. Is he one of these guys that doesn't even have a cage? No, match no cage match yet. at all. Yeah. All you so can find him is, rookie. yeah, you can find him in a few like event cards on, on Preach of Spirit, but that's about it for him. So, so you've got Yoshinari Ogawa, uh, of course, the Noah veteran, teaming with uh, this Morahashi, who, of course, was a DDT like prelim wrestler for years. I mean, you know, you know, working like those uh, 
grungy DDT offshoots and working like uh, like Union. He would work Union a lot and work like DDT undercards. And uh, this year he's been strictly, I guess he's gone freelance or si- I don't think he's signed with Noah, but he's been working nothing but Noah shows this year. And he's actually fit in pretty well. I think he's a guy who fits in better with Noah than he ever did with DDT. But uh, he's a veteran guy. He's not going to move up the card or anything. But I just think it's interesting that Noah keeps collecting these guys. And look, it's worked out for people like Tedesuke and and High 69. They've got deals now, and they're part of the company. So if you're a guy like Morahashi who's spinning his wheels in DDT, you know, you go freelance. You hook up with a company like Noah that's looking for full-time guys. Uh, you know, and he, and he seems to have latched on, and that's way more time than I ever thought in my life that I would spend on on a Saya Morahashi. <laughs> so there's your Saya Morahashi breakdown, uh, and of course the Scott the More tag, which I was everyone was looking forward to, is out the window. <laughs> I don't think that's true. I, don't, I think it is true. I don't know if your last statement was accurate, but Scott, listen, we were all looking forward to it because he was going <laughs> to work a match opposite of Maceo in a way, which means he wouldn't even have been the worst wrestler in his own match. Think right. And and there was the debate of if he was going to wear a Bullet Club shirt or not. Which Right. Which we're never going to, the world <laughs> will never, never know. know. And I needed to see Scott Damore lock up with Maceo Inouye. Do you think yes. William Regal You're, would have... Get a tag from Ogawa. Like, yeah, Ogawa looking, snarling, and then tagging Scott Demore. Scott Demore. Yeah. Right. Do you think William Regal would have appreciated the lockup? Oh, yeah. Scott no, Demore Scott Demore would have a solid lockup with, with Inouye, for sure. Man's a trainer. Yeah, he's he better, he better have a, a solid lockup. If you think that match is wacky... <laughs> See, this is what I mean. Like, like they, the, 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 I think the first five matches all eclipse each other in terms of wackiness. Listen, they all get wackier as we move along. Kano <laughs> and and Daisuke Akeda of Futen, where the real wrestlers live. Futen, baby, where the real wrestlers. Right versus Ross and Marshall Von Erich, who return to Noah. Ross and Marshall Von Erich, who never get booked by anybody because you got to fly confirmed them in. draws, but. You gotta fly them in from fucking God knows where in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, they don't even come in from Honolulu. They're living on some random island with Kevin right. in fucking paradise out yeah, there. Kevin Hawaii. owns his own island and it's filled with turkeys and, and lizards and, and he's like hand hunting lobsters. And- <laughs> right. There's all there. There's always rainbows and it's always beautiful. So yeah, he's like ah, I caught this lobster in the gully <laughs> behind my house. He's the best Twitter follow ever. Okay. It is yeah, because you're basically just in the winter. It's great. Like if you're like itching for to feel warmth and. To, to to like feel like he, he's like because he's in literally a tropical jungle and just he's like, in paradise. Hey, there's a monkey outside of my house. And you're like, all right, yeah. cool, that's, that's fine. They, they live in paradise. They live in literal paradise, and he's still shoeless. You know, here's oh, the would thing. you wear shoes if you weren't in paradise? How, why the fuck would I ever wear shoes no, if I was if I was wearing pants either? Why would I wear pants? No, you know what I know. I know that he's wearing like pants that are like ripped off into shorts. You just yeah, know. oh yeah, yeah, for sure. No, absolutely. But it's like, but it's like a legitimate thing. Like a big thing with Kevin Von Erich is like he doesn't own shoes. Like when he does fly out for stuff, he like has to scramble to get shoes. Like that's legitimate. That's a real story that I read somewhere. So anyway, Ross and Marshall Von Erich are are on this show because they never get booked because you can't afford to fly him. It's going to cost you a thousand dollars to fly him in, and you know nobody does it. But uh, they're coming back to Noah here. It, it's, it's, it's these wacky opponents. I mean, I, to see them work against like a, you know one of these kickboxers is just going to be ridiculous. Third match on the show, Rich. Third match. Your Impact World Champion, Eli Drake, is not defending the title, but he should be against Global League competitor 
Cody Hall. What do you think of that, Rich? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm in Kevin Von Eric's Twitter. I, I just need to get out of here. Here's, here's one. He says, uh, these big snails are easy to find. I don't know if they're edible or not. At left is a 410 shell for scale. Yes. But this giant snail, these young gingerbuds make a natural mosquito repellent. <laughs> He's making his own mosquito repellents. Not from inside the big cave above the lava tube tunnel. <laughs> this is, doesn't even sound real. He's in a lava tube tunnel. You know what's going to happen? That volcano is going to go off, and the Mar- Von Erichs are going to be. Yeah, right then you're, you're never going to hear from him again, and, and wonder what happened. And yeah, these giant avocados in the back of the orchard are my personal favorites. Yeah, he's making his own fucking guacamole with avocados that he's growing, you know. And he's making while he's making mosquito repellent out of snails. This yeah, is what right. this man's life is like. He's oh, making another these... rainbow. Like I swear to God, every other day there's a rainbow, and it's fucking yeah. Here's he's three rainbows in a row. Like it's ridiculous. Like and for some reason he follows us because I guess he needs to keep up with his PWS news. I have no course, idea what's yes. going on there. But uh, yeah, of a giant Hawaiian moth. Jesus Christ, this moth is huge. Okay, I gotta leave here. I gotta leave. There could be dinosaurs where he lives for all we know. This is, great, this is the greatest. Yeah, he lives in like an island that has just not been touched by anybody but Ivan Eric. Pretty sure <laughs> they're the only years. Pretty sure they're the only occupants. Growing coffee. He's, he's got coffee. Own. Oh, Jesus. He's got coffee beans. Coffee coming up is his next week. Growing coffee beans. So what do you think of Cody Hall versus Eli Drake? Yeah. Um, if I was TNA, I'd be happy about you. Uh, Eli Drake in the third match in the top on, on a show. But uh, I guess, I mean, it'd be pretty entertaining i guess i i don't know uh yeah the big thing there is just that eli drake is is third from the bottom and he's you know. this is how much i want you to think about this i want you to think about this right now think about how much this is pro wrestling noah in the state that they're in the low point ever in the history of the promotion and that's how much they think of impact wrestling where they're booking the world champion in a prelim match going right. on third yeah, before High 69 and Garza Jr. tag up. Yes. <laughs> so like, you will see the Impact World Champion. That, at the low point in Noah's history, that's how much respect they have for Impact Wrestling right now. He's working the third match on the show, a prelim versus Cody Hall. Yeah. That's <laughs> says something. It says something. I don't know what, quite what it says, but it says something. Uh, Hajime Ohara and Ultimo Ninja versus... Uh, Listen, I don't care. You can tell me it's Hiroki all day long. I will it's always call this man right. High 69. Yeah, I don't care if it's wrong either. I'm going to call it High 69. No, he's High 69. I'm sorry. It's it's that that's what I'm referring to the man as. And uh, Garza Jr. So you're, I know you're a big fan of the Garza Jr. Oh, he's good. Yeah, he's fun. Uh, here's a match which is utilizing uh, the Noah, Crash, AAA, uh, Impact Connections here. So it uh, should be a fun little match. Hitoshi Kumano versus Minoru Tanaka. So they bring in uh, Minoru Tanaka Rich, uh, now considered a freelancer, to take on Kumano, who's been getting a bit of a push now uh, lately in the uh, in the pro wrestling. Are you happy to see Minoru Tanaka? Yeah, I, I've always liked Minoru Tanaka, so yeah, I'm way into that, and that, that'll be fun little match. I think that that that's actually one that I'm, I'm, I've kind of uh, earmarked to put a star on. To like that that could really, I mean, depending on on how much time it gets, could be really really good. Because some of this other stuff we laugh at, and it's just kind of like yeah, whatever. But like that's one that like legitimately could be very very good. Big test for Hitoshi Kumano, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Taking on heat. Face I, hope, heat. I hope he comes in the heat gimmick. Yeah. He should Actually, come out. Don't do that. Oh, Tatsumi Fuck, it's, this, it's this show. Come on, the heat gimmick. Who cares? Yeah, why not? Yeah. You know, why not? I hope he sticks around, actually. Uh, Tatsumi Fujinami and his terrible son, Leona, <laughs> uh, team up with Mitsuya Nagai. And uh, they take on Maybach Tanaguchi, Akatoshi Saito, and Shiro Koshinaka. Again, where do we even start with this one? So, okay. 
I think we start with the fact that Fujinami, who I think is nearly 70, is like, what is he, the second best worker in this entire match? Still today? Uh, let's rank them out. Let's see. see uh, I Leona, like Taniguchi more than you do. So Leona, without question, is the worst. That's an yeah, easy Leon, one. Yeah, for sure. Um, Koshinaka, uh, of course, participant in the... Hey, he looks good in those Rambos. Yeah, right? he's fine. No, he, I think he's all right. He, he holds up pretty well. Yeah. I think he holds his own. He's kind of been uh, the same guy for like 10 years. Like, I'm going back for a Noah project and watching like old, like, you know, 2005 Noah. And he's basically the same guy. I mean, nothing has changed about him much at all. Who's Saito? Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Uh, uh, Koshinaka. Koshinaka. Oh, Koshinaka. Yeah, he's, I think Koshinaka. He's basically been the same guy for like 15 years now. So, well, yeah, he had that brief Noah run, what, like the middle portion of the 2000s, I guess it was, in between New Japan. Right, right, yeah. That's, I've been watching a little bit of that stuff. And, like, what you see there is basically what you saw in the Rambos, too. It's, like, not much different. He just kind of runs in the ring and slaps his ass and hits people with it, and that's about it. So Yeah, and then Saito. I see. I thought you meant Saito's been the same. No, 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 no. Because he has been. I mean, that's a guy who <laughs> yeah. never fucking changes. Uh, you know, and, and it's like, I always hate that guy and, and I don't want to watch him. And then once or twice a year, um, you know, he has a, he had a really good global league last year. Saito. I know that sounds like a weird point to make, but, uh, but Hey, this is a weird fucking show. So, um, yeah, I don't know. You could make the argument that Tatsumi Fujinami at his advanced age is like the second or third best dude in this match. His son, without question is the worst person in this match. I don't think it's even debatable. I mean, Leona is fucking terrible. Yeah. And the thing about Leona is, uh, he, he, he's been, lo- he loses on these Noah shows. Like, <laughs> right, yeah, the, la- the last Noah show I watched, he fucking, uh, oh shit. Who beat him? Um, someone beat the shit out of him. Um, I'm blanking now, but, uh, you know, the, the whole story here is that, uh, that, that he doesn't fucking, was he in a tag or was he in a single? I gotta look this up now, or it's gonna bother me. Yeah, but, <laughs> I was gonna say I don't know, nor do I care. Uh, you, I, you didn't watch the? Uh, it was the show that Eddie Edwards won the title. I thought maybe Kano? you was it Cano that he beat him. I'll look it up right now. Hold on. Yeah, I think I, I, I kind of remember that. It, it was, was the, it was the Cork and All Show where yeah, where uh, I think it was Cano. Look, look it up. I, that that rings a bell. Yes, yeah, Cano. You're right. You're right. You're right. Okay. It was Cano. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Cano beat him, and he beat him pretty handily. Um, so, and, and, and it's like, they keep bringing this dope back, you know, but <laughs> to set up, well, it was all a setup to, to book his father like that. You know what I mean? It was like the, the setup was for this show where, you know, um, you know, his father would come in. So, um, actually he hasn't lost all his matches. I think he's like one in seven during this run, but he's terrible. He's a terrible wrestler. He's yeah, not he's good. So bad. <laughs> it's sad. It's really like sad watching him wrestle. It's like, it's like, you know, it, it, it's like sometimes wrestler sons, you know, it's like you can tell they're just doing it because their dad is it, a perfect example. He's just not good. He's just really bad. Uh, Katsuhiko Nakajima and Masa Kitamiya versus Moose and Yuji yes, Okabayashi. That is the greatest team in the history of wrestling. Moose and Okabayashi. I hope that team. they they form a partnership that just tours the world. Like they realize that they're soulmates, and then for the ra- it's just Moose and Okabayashi. And we we ten years from now talk about how great that tag team was and how it all started on this night. Dude, Moose. that match could fucking rule. Yeah, oh yeah. That's a lot of beef, a lot of slaps, a lot of chops. That, that's There's a lot of good stuff in that match. That match could fucking rule. Nakajima's going to kick their chests in, you know? Oh yeah. And yeah, Kitamiya's going yeah. Yeah, to try to go toe-to-toe with these guys and fail, right? So I'm into that. It's going to be a good fucking match. This, you know, this show, I don't think there's any way this is not going to be entertaining. Because the, even these train wreck matches are going to be fun because it's like the people involved and, and just these weird matchups. And then you have matches like that and Kumano versus Tanaka, which can be, you know, nice little matches there. So we've got Hayata and Yohei, again, 
another good example. Here's these Dove Pro guys, right? And Noah's just taking chances on people, and then they do well and they earn jobs. Yeah, so, they basically just show up in, in enough times where they they you know they they prove their worth, and, and then you get signed. So it's almost like they were kind of like those seminar guys we talk about with indie seminars, where you show up a lot of times and and you get booked sometimes, and then sometimes you can parlay it into something bigger. And that's kind of what these guys did. They brought them in because it was it was uh, like they were just going. And we talked about that when Noah was in its absolute worst worst spot. It was basically they they were just going and, and trying to grab guys from indies, you know, local guys, sort of stuff like that. And, and little by little, they found some talent out of those guys. And yeah, these guys have parlayed it into a, a regular role. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. A lot of the, uh, you know, I talked about uh, Tadasuke, a lot of the, uh, the Rattel guys that that faction now were guys that were just indie guys and they've earned jobs. So a lot of guys on this show, you know, like talked about Morahashi who kind of landed in Noah this year. Maybe some of these other guys earned some more bookings and, you know, they end up with jobs, but Hay- Hayata and uh, Yohei, new junior champions, they won those titles on that Cork and show that I just talked about. They beat high 69 and Taiji Ishimori who were champions for a while, the double X team. And that wasn't a bad little match. I thought that was the second or third match, second or third best match on the show. Um, so Hayata and Yohei, the Rattel, part of the Rattels group. So they'll get their first defense there, and they're going to win. They're facing two uh, DDT young boys, uh, uh, Katsumata and Mao. So uh, they'll beat those dudes. But uh, good to see some DNA. Uh, I'm sorry, DDT participation here. Um, so let's see. I, I guess those are DNA guys, though, right? Yeah, so, yeah, I believe they are. Wasn't wrong. Uh, junior title match: Taiji Ishimori uh, defends against uh, Daisuke Harada. So that's just your st- it looks so boring, right? That's just a standard issue Noah match, <laughs> right? Yeah, you know it'll probably be really fucking good. But uh, you know, second defense for Ishimori. Of course, he was a double champion before he lost the junior titles in Cork and Hall. And now we're getting into the serious stuff where we got Goshi Ozaki and at Sushi Kotoge, the brand new tag team champions. They defend against Muhammad Yone and Quiet Storm. So. <laughs> That should be a lot of fun. I don't know if you saw Yone and Quiet Storm challenge the new champion. I, I did not, yeah. I don't remember. Quiet Storm, a tremendous promo, okay, where he just basically, he's got one of those voices where it sounds like he swallowed a box of nails. You know what <laughs> I mean? Yeah. And he's, got his, yeah. he's got short little arms, and he's pointing with his short little arms, right? And he's he's screeching like he uh, swallowed a couple spider webs, you know, at the new champions, Katoge and uh, Shiozaki, who defeated Maybach and, and Marafuji for the tag titles. Which, Rich, I think that's a match that you might want to uh, go back and watch. I thought it told a really good story where uh, Kotoge actually, uh, you know, look, we know Shiozake can go toe-to-toe with these guys. He's been doing that for years, right? But the story of the match was Kotoge, the former junior, who, you know, is stepping up in class a little bit. And he kind of had to prove himself against these heavyweight guys. And he did. And he ended up scoring the fall, uh, uh, you know, pinning Maybach. Uh, to win the titles, which, you know, you would think that Go Shiozaki would score the fall, right? But it wasn't, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah. so they went with Katoge there. And I'm looking for my notes. I know I had more notes on this. Yeah, it was Katoge pin in Maybach, and it was really the story was Katoge withstanding the assault of these two heavyweights, and uh, that was the larger theme of the match. And proving his weight is proving his muscle as a heavyweight. You know what I mean? And right. Scoring the fall and, uh, and scoring the pin. So they'll defend here against... Uh, uh, Yone and Quiet Storm, which are a regular team in Noah, but that's a perfect team to get your first defense against. You know, it's like a mid-card tag team, and uh, it's it's a good opportunity for the champions to uh, solidify themselves against the uh, Funky Fifty Powers. Rich, I mean, everybody's a big fan of Funky Fifty. I mean, it's a great <laughs> name for the tag team. Okay, and this is a tremendous name. I like those guys. You know, They're good mid-card tag. Then Eddie Edwards defends against Marafuji. Of course, Marafuji and Maybach drop the tag team titles. 
Everyone seems to think that if you're following traditional booking logic, the reason Marafuji dropped the tag titles was because uh, he's going to win the title here from Eddie Edwards. Two reasons. Number one, Noah is in the absolute shitter. They waited out the Nakajima reign as long as they could, but it just kept getting worse and worse. No one thinks Eddie Edwards is going to be a long-term solution. So the idea, at least in my mind, Rich, is to get the title to Marafuji, who is the one guy who you know is kind of like your historical proven draw and has drawn as recently as last year, both in New Japan and drew the year before uh, going up against Minoru Suzuki a few times. So you know you have – this is your this is your – the ace of the company, so to speak, uh, you know, your one proven draw, you want to get the title back to him to kind of right the ship, no pun intended, get some fans back into the mix, but you don't want to kind of have him beat Nakajima yet, right? Cause you don't want to totally give up on Nakajima. So you use Eddie Edwards as the classic transitional champion. Yeah. Oh yeah. That, that's all he is. I mean, this, this is almost a mortal lock that Marafuji's winning, right? That's what you see here, right? That's basically yeah. oh, yeah, that's yeah. Their, their train of thought here. To get the title to Marafuji without burning off Marafuji Nakajima and without having Marafuji defeat Nakajima. That's kind of what you see here. Right, yeah, I, I do. And, and and I think it makes it makes Nakajima look like less of a chump that he just lost to like this random guy who came in and, and for a little bit versus like it, it does feel like a complete like total failure if Marafuji just comes in and beats you again. And you know what I mean? That's just kind of Nakajima's just like oh, okay, well, you know. Yeah. And whereas now you you'd have that thing where like, hey, look, you know, I got caught on a bad day by that guy, but now I want to fight you. So you build yourself, you get a few more months out of it uh, with your traditional champion. But yeah, no, I think it's a mortal lock that, that Marafuji wins. And I think they wanted to get Marafuji in the main event of the show somehow, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they got to draw some fans of this thing. I mean, you know, that's why you're bringing in Tatsumi. You know, we're joking here, but that's why you bring in Tatsumi Fujinami. You know what I mean? That's why you bring in a Yuji Okabayashi. That's why you get the impact participation and you bring in guys from DDT and, and, you, and you're trying some different things. Because this is Yokohama and this is going to be it's a great voyage show. And it's going to be one of their biggest shows of the year. And, and man, they're just not doing well. Yeah, the days of you know, Noah like, drawing by being Noah are, are pretty. They have to go the route that we've seen with, with you know when Big Japan does a super show and it's filled with you know guys from other companies and and, and all, Japan, all Japan as well. Yeah. yeah, it has been doing it recently where they just fill their shows with a bunch of random guys. You know, DDT it will do it from time to time as well, but they, they've been able to kind of rely on themselves. But Noah's at, at that level now. I mean, that's that's it. They're not they're not what we you know back in the day where they could just run Noah shows and people would go. Eh, it's not that you know they have to be kind of a sideshow in, yeah. in some ways, but they got business at the top and the, and the, and the top things look awesome. And, and what they booked on the bottom looks pretty fun too. So, yeah, I mean, so you, you utilize your promotional partners, you bring in the impact world champion. You hope that that, that gives you a little bit of juice. You bring in Tatsumi Fujinami and you hope you bring back some old school fans. You run like a couple month little program with Leona that leads to bringing in his father, who's, you know, inarguably, you know, his the biggest star in this show from a historical perspective. Uh, you put Mara Fuji in the main event. Event. Look, I got to give them credit, Rich. They're trying. They're trying to draw some fans to this show. So they did some wacky things to attempt to do that. Um, you know, I think they really did put their best foot forward here to attempt to do so. Maybe Marafuji Nakajima would have been a bigger main event and drawn a few more fans. But I kind of see the logic too. And look, we put Nakajima behind the eight ball and he was in a real unfair situation. Rich, I don't think anyone would have drawn in his situation. Uh, so maybe they feel the same way and they're like, look, let's get the title off him. Move him down the card a little bit, let him work his way back up, and maybe we can build to Nakajima Marafuji down the line and recrown Nakajima and try this again. Or maybe they have given up on Nakajima, but my whole thing is I don't think they have because the tip-off to me is why use the transitional champion if you've completely given up on the guy.
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I, you I just do the direct title change, right? Oh, exactly. Yeah. So it's it's not they haven't given up on him. They just wanted to get it away from him for a while in the in the easiest way possible, and and I think that is a pretty good way to do it. So and really, if it's not Nakajima long term, who the fuck is it? Because you know the only the only other person you would look to is Masa Kitamiya right now. Yeah, and he's uh, he got a little way to go until that's fully ready. But I guess yeah, maybe because- maybe not. Maybe you can just say, hey, fuck it, we're gonna go for it. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's. But I, I don't think they see him at that level, and I, I don't know if I do either. I don't think Hitoshi Kumano will ever be at that level. The guy is Kiyomiya, who is not on this show because he's in Canada doing God knows what. Uh, have, do we have a Kiyomiya update, Rich? Who is he wrestling? Oh, I know yes. we had a, yeah, uh, no, of course. Yeah, our, our weekly uh, Kiyomiya. Let's, uh, let's chime in here real quick. Uh, I know I saw him on – somebody was linking one of his uh, – yeah, yeah, let's put him in the old uh, cage match here. Here's my question. Oh, See, what? I really I really think that they think he's the guy because why would they not bring him back for this show if they're flying all these other people in? The last we saw of Kiyomiya, he was doing jobs for Mahabali Shira on our last update, wasn't it, Rich? Yeah, he was. Yeah, let's let's see the. Uh, oh, no, it, it hasn't gone well. He uh, he lost to Scotty O'Shea at Smash 100. So he's working Smash now, huh? Yes. Yeah. That's a lot better than working some of the places he's been working. Yeah, so. that's not bad. So there you go. So Scotty O'Shea. Canadian. <laughs> you know, we're talking about excursions. Okay. But earlier, they've sent Kiyomiya to Canada. To work with uh, Scott Demore, I guess, because he's, uh, I guess, Demore is handling this. I would I'd assume, yeah, yeah. So uh, he's worked a lot of that CWE promotion. Um, you know, and he's worked some decent people. He's worked Jonathan Gresham. He's worked Silas Young. Um, I'm just looking through his uh, match history here. Uh, he's worked Gresham a lot. He's even teaming with Gresham a lot in that promotion. So, uh, and of course, listen, you work with Mahabali Shira, it means you've worked with the best, right? So uh, you know, he's getting in there with it. But then, no, but seriously, though, back to my point, though, he's on this Canadian excursion. But do you think, am I reading too much into it? But don't you think they would have brought him back for this show for like a one off since they're flying Scott Damore in anyway? Why not throw him on the plane? I think they're keeping him away for a purpose. Yeah, I I, I agree. He, he's going to come back with, with, with a vengeance when he comes back. So he's going to be a super pushed guy, and they need that other guy because I really don't think it's Kitamiya because we would have seen signs of it already. And Hitoshi Kamanu, I like him, I just don't see him as a star. I just don't. In fact, when he was coming up with Kiyomiya, I always saw Kiyomiya as the a bigger long-term star than Kamano, even though Kamano has developed into a nifty yeah. little worker. Just needs a haircut. How do you like that? Nifty little worker. Nifty little worker, yeah. Kiyomiya just needs a haircut and get that fucking hedgehog off his head that he has. <laughs> but... Terrible haircut. Just not a star just haircut. Just get rid of the bangs. Why is it all over your forehead? Get it. Just He's no Ashino. He does not have a star just haircut. Look at that, man. Just do something. Get it off you know, the forehead. Yeah. Grow a menacing goatee right. and yeah. get yourself a decent haircut. And uh, follow the fair, path I think of he's our, like 21. He might not be able to grow a goatee. So it's a good point. But you know, you got to follow the path of our Wrestle One World Champion that we've mm-hmm. adopted. You know, which I haven't watched their show from Yokohama yet. Have you? Uh, no, I did watch parts of that. Yeah, no, it's actually pretty fun. It's a good show. He defended against Jiro. Yes. Oh, that's why. Yeah, it's a great match. It's fun. Oh, you saw it? Yes. Go, go watch it. It's really, really fun. Spoiler alert! Don't tell no, me I wins. Won't, I won't. I won't. But because uh, I really don't know, honestly. I mean, I suspect who won, but I don't know for a fact. Yeah. Was it a good match to main event? Uh, it's solid. It's it's not like spectacular, but, it, but it's okay. It, it it's fun. It, it's Jiro's awesome. Is it worth my time? It's worth your time. Yeah, it's worth your time. You're not going to come away. You're not going to be rewriting your match of the year countdown, but but it's worth it. Okay, good. I was planning on watching most of that show. I mean, I'm sure some of the shit is unwatchable. I think. I hope my boy Andy Wu is on the show. I don't remember. Like, I only watched the main event. I think so. I like Andy Wu. You know who else likes Andy Wu? Taz. 
Taz. Taz, Taz, fucking loved. Taz fucking loved Andy Wu. He loves him some Andy Wu. I think he just likes saying Andy Wu. He did, but uh, he had no idea. It was the, one of the only names he could actually pronounce. So yeah. And did. I'm not sure. That was a tag match. I'm not sure he knew which one was Andy Wu. <laughs> no, he just knew Andy Wu was a guy. But he really liked saying Andy Wu. And he loved Jiro's jacket. Yeah, that was the only thing. He was fascinated by the jacket. <laughs> you know, I've, he's not the only one. I've got friends who are like, you're casual. You know, they'll watch this Japanese stuff sometimes when I recommend it. And I've had more than one friend text me and say, how does that man's jacket not come off in these matches? Oh, he comes out like a fucking star, by the way. You'll, you'll see if you watch that match. Jiro's a fucking legend. Hey, who was screaming about Jiro three years ago? It was yeah, us. Right. Yeah. It was us, you know? I, I screamed about Shino at the time, too. So Yeah, he's doing jobs to fucking Muda and all that. When he could have been beating those guys on the way up, you know what I mean? It's like, but it's like, you know. Okay, we've got so much to talk about. Why are we talking about Jiro? I don't know how we got off on Jiro. But, uh, we're going to somehow skip No Mercy because we were talking about Jiro. But... Can't skip No Mercy. Got to do No Mercy. Well, we can't skip this other story, which uh, we definitely have to talk about, which is, uh, yes, the uh, American Indies are... Still exploding, still blowing up, still a mess here. Uh, last we spoke, um, the lawsuit was coming out between Flow Slam and WWE Live. We knew a little bit of details. Uh, it got a little more crazy as, as the week went on. Friday, uh, Flow Slam or, or announced that they were not going to be airing the uh, WWE Live shows. Uh, WWN or Evolve said we don't really care because we're going to put them on WWN Live, and and you know it, it was a weird thing too. There was like weird passive aggressiveness where like you know for what was it for a few hours like no matter what. Flow Slam would tweet out, Gabe would like retweet it and be like, I can't wait. You guys are the best. Like, this is great. This is wonderful. And then that all went away once they said they're not going to air uh, the show anymore. So you had that. Uh, a little bit of an update before we get into the big smoking gun that happened over the weekend. But um, I don't know if you went over to the old flowslam.tv, Joe, but uh, every single DGUSA Evolve, everything that they've ever had on their network is available for free right now. What? I don't know. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Run that by me again. Everything that, that they've ever aired and everything that's in there net it's it's free and the archives as well yep they're just giving it all away for free yeah yep so they're just sticking it to gabe i i think so (laughs) if we've aired it you can fucking watch it is what they're saying oh if we if you gave it to us we're gonna watch i mean they have dgusa like open the uh, open the golden gate you want to watch open the golden gate boom it's a full flow slam master library list right here it's this link Sir, that was Akira Tozawa versus Johnny Morrison. No, I, that's a good show. That's why I mentioned it. I love that show. It's How did a, I remember the main event to that? It's crazy. Yeah. I don't remember anything. It's a, here's so, a master list of everything that's in our library at the moment. You can use it while we work and organize to fill our archives. So this is an old page that they had up that was just kind of always there for, for their sure. archives. But, kind of paywall. Yeah, but you can click anything. I mean, I right now, you, what, what do you want here? Let's uh, DGUSA. Let's go. Oh, Fearless 2010. Boom. Click Fearless 2010. <laughs> And there we go. So there's a play button. And then I hit play. And then uh, Rich, can I watch all of my Shine, FIP, and ACW shows? All of my favorites. Uh, I believe you can. Yeah, I believe you're good. Oh, wait, hold on. This link isn't working. Oh, were they not all up? Or did somebody make a grave mistake and now they fixed it in the courts of us? Because it, it is out there and everybody was going nuts that all these USA things were free. Now I don't know if they are. So. To be fair, so, I'm not wait, logged in at any level. Let me let me see. So, so at some point, they opened up the archives for free and announced it. Yeah, let, let me see because I wasn't logged in. Like I have an account there. I'm not an active member there, but I have an account there. Let me see if that um, uh, that changes anything in terms of what I can watch. So because because it was out, I, I can't confirm. As we were recording this, people were talking about how they were clicking every link and everything was working. Um, so let me see. Okay, so I'm logged in. So let me watch. Did USA open the Southern Gate? All right, let's click that. 
Open the Southern Gate. I don't even remember that one. Oh, it's oh, maybe not. Open the Southern Gate. It did tank work that one. Uh, <laughs> it's did Indie Jimmy Legend... Rave did. I know you're trying to joke, but Jimmy Rave worked twice on the show. So <laughs> did Indie Legend Tank work that show? Tank did not work the show. Okay. Rookie Doy versus John Moxley though. Okay, so the few that I clicked did not show up. So maybe in the course of recording this, somebody realized that they hit that everything became active. So okay. We'll calm down then a little bit because well, that was a dirty move for a couple yeah. hours. Everybody <laughs> chance to download everything and rip it off of their. Uh... That's fascinating. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> yeah. So uh, since last week, I guess it was just the lawsuit had broke. By the time we uh, we actually the day that we recorded, right, is when the lawsuit broke. I believe. Uh, so- yes. Yes. So thankfully, we recorded. It was the one time where we weren't late to something. Little did we know that more stuff would explode. Uh, later. But by the way, yeah. for, for people that don't, we have our uh, the Evolve podcast on our network, Everything Evolves. We're going to talk about them here in a little bit. But they they did a fan, their most recent episode. If you want to know what the hell is going on with the lawsuit, day by day, you know, thing by thing, like they break it down in, in, in insane detail, this entire story. So if you're wondering what the hell is going on, you want a little bit of background, uh, the most recent Everything Evolves nails it from from beginning to end so definitely go in and check out what the two errands did there so everything evolves i think it's episode 10 of theirs it's the most recent everything evolves we'll go step by step in the entire thing because we're going to kind of skip uh to some bigger stuff that's that it's went on over the weekend that we covered last week but if you want like a full-on recap uh they did a great job and aaron number one is a lawyer so you know, right bollywood one is a lawyer and <laughs> bollywood two it worked in uh some capacity in law or something so uh the bollywood boys over on the evolve pod will uh, break it all down for you but yeah so since we uh last recorded uh yeah flow kicked wwn off of their service uh on the what a friday afternoon correct before, yeah basically yeah right before the show and we're not and, gonna air the show so yeah. um so that's you know the relationship is completely falling apart at this point Right, because last we spoke, and, and we thought that it was kind of dubious that Flo was like, hey, look, we just want our money back, but we hope the relationship continues. And we knew there's no going back from this. And it literally, the we want the relationship to continue thing lasted, what, like eight hours? And then it was like, fuck all of you. <laughs> like, we're out. <laughs> yeah. But then the, the bigger story, of course, was the memo, the leaked memo that uh, Gabe Sapolsky sent out to the, the, uh, the Evolve crew prior to the weekend shows. Pretty much a standard memo that pretty much I would say most major promoters send out to their wrestlers, right? I know Mike Quackenbush was famous for those memos and I suppose that any more infamous for the post-show emails, but uh, that's a story for another day. But uh, you know, so Gabe sent out a little memo and I really believe rich that people are focusing on the wrong things when it comes to that memo. A lot of people are kind of missing why this is a huge, 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 huge wrestling story that this memo was leaked by focusing on the fact that, Oh, well, you know, uh, you know, they're asking the wrestlers to, you know, work the matches like WWE wrestlers would, right? No pile drivers, no apron moves. Do not look directly into the camera. Uh, it makes direct references to WWE and NXT, and we're, you know, uh, and it makes uh, references to a quote transition period, which is to be implied that they're moving on to a even tighter relationship with WWE. So he wants his wrestlers to be ready for that and wrestle that style and all those sorts of things. Uh, there's a reference to not looking in the cameras because you're eventually going to have to unlearn that anyway. So you might as well start now. There's a reference to William Regal uh, telling Sapolsky directly that he doesn't like the way a lot of indie wrestlers lock up. Uh, so a lot of things like that. And I think that's what everybody focused on. Now I found all that stuff interesting. 
don't get me wrong. It was interesting to read that as someone who isn't supposed to see it. You know what I mean? From that perspective. And, um, but I think, you know, people who are saying, ah, what's the big deal with the memo? It's just a promoter, you know, and a booker, you know, gearing, you know, telling his wrestlers instructions. And it's really not that big a deal. Well, you're missing the point as to why this is a major, major deal that this memo leaked. It has nothing necessarily to do with the, with the micro contents of the memo, but Rich, what does WWE tell every wrestler that they sign not to do? Yeah, tell anybody that they're being signed. Don't tell anybody that you're fucking signed, or well, we've seen it blow deals. Yeah, Adam Cole had to wait like seven months. Everybody knew he was going to die, but I'm just hanging around. Like, what? Okay, Adam. Like, we don't. So what we have yeah. here is a leaked memo, which explicitly and officially, because we all suspect it. It's not like this was a major secret. That these two, that WWE was had some sort of. A, I mean, we all saw Gabe down at NXT looking at the monitors with Shawn Michaels, right? We all knew he had some kind of consultant role, but this memo just hammered it the fuck home. And WWE never likes that kind. They do. They like to control the story, control the narrative. You do not release it. We tell people that we've signed you. You do not tell people that you've signed with us, or you. You know, we. They, and this is why Gabe is going ballistic that this got out because it's putting in serious jeopardy whatever he has cooking with that company because it is not WWE announcing it to the world. It's this leaked memo, and he's afraid that that company is going to look at him like he's a sloppy caretaker who can't control his people, and now this is out there for the world. And that is that is a bad look for WWN and Gabe that this thing got out, and that is why Gabe. And look, that's not me speculating. I can tell you for a fact that that's why he's going ballistic that this thing got out. Okay, the Everything Evolved Pod is on our network. The article that Aaron Bentley wrote, detailing his conversation with Gabe when he when he contacted Gabe for comment on this memo, is on our website. So I'm privy to everything that's gone on. This is why Gabe. This is a much bigger deal. Then Gabe telling people to grab headlocks. Okay, guys. Right, or don't <laughs> don't do moves on the apron. Which, by the way, if you watched Evolve this weekend, it, no, pretty much none of the stuff that he said don't do. Everybody just did it anyway, and it, which it is a completely really... different topic. But right, but it's like it's like but 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 th- th- this leak. And, and I can say as somebody that was was there, like he th- th- those parts, the, the parts that everybody's hyper focusing on. I was there at Evolve '93. I was I was there watching. Gabe was sitting at a table, and a lot of times he was just at his phone or talking to people or doing some other stuff. He wasn't watching intently, going, "Oh, apron bump. Oh no, I told you not to do that." So that that is not again not the most important part of this. I mean, everyone's focused on the wrong things, and there, it, it, as soon as it, look, we found out about this stuff from the Aaron's way before this became a thing. They yeah. they 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 acquired this memo on Thursday, okay. And this leads to my next point, Rich. It was Friday afternoon. That flow kicked WWN off of their service, correct? Correct. That means that if the Aaron's acquired like twelve hours after saying we want to keep this relationship going, we just want to you know make things right. Correct. So follow me here. The Aaron's acquire the memo on Thursday, which means the memo was written on Thursday at the very latest, correct? Correct. Which means the memo was written before WWN kicked W. Uh, I'm sorry, before Flo Flo, kicked, yeah. Right. So the memo was written before Flow kicked them off the service, correct? Correct. So if I'm a flow lawyer, okay, I am salivating at this memo. Because what this memo details is Gabe referencing a transition period to presumably WWE, because that's what all the references that follow carry, 
And what, if I'm a fool lawyer, I'm saying to myself, this guy's talking about his next move before the relationship with my client is even over. Right. And, but that, Why that, is no one focusing on that? Well, and, and that's the thing. I think that everything evolves. They talked about a little bit where they – they're under the assumption that they knew about the lawsuit maybe before a lot of people did, that maybe this was a thing that they knew. So it, it, it is possible. Now, Rich, that's fine. But still, it, the, the memo was still written while the relationship still existed, though, whether there was sure. a lawsuit Yeah, in some or not. form or fashion. Yeah, and that, that – but I guess for, from WN's standpoint, well, I'm sure it's still a big deal. And I'm sure they still do care about that. But, I mean, they can, they can swing it as saying, well, the, the transition period that we're talking about is, you know – our relationship, which is on shaky ground right now because of the lawsuit, you know, type of thing where obviously that's, if, if you really know what you're reading, when you're reading this, you know that it means, Hey, we're, we're in, in bed with WWE and this thing is going to get bigger. But I could see how if their lawyers say, no, 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 it doesn't mean that it means post lawsuit. There's a transition period as we, as we move yeah. on or try to figure it out. And but I'm, but and I, and if you're educated, you're going to maybe see it one way, but if you're just kind of a random lawyer, I think you're going to see it another way. Yeah, I know the, what it means, but yeah. I'm just saying if, if it's lawyer to lawyer, they might be able to swing it as that's what they meant by yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm, what I'm saying is the flow lawyers can make a deal out of that and, ma- and give the WWN lawyers a whole nother headache. Is what I'm saying. Do you, you see what? Yeah, no, they, no, no, I, no, absolutely, hundred percent. But this this memo is bad for 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 the lawsuit. I'm sorry, it's bad news for WWN for the lawsuit. It was written before the relationship completely died, and flow can just use that as an added headache. If I'm a flow lawyer, I'm looking at that and I'm saying I can get something out of this thing. This is proof that they weren't fully committed to the relationship for whatever reason. And then more details are going to come out with his lawsuit unless something gets settled. And it's getting ugly. Sapolsky's out there deleting all his tweets. This memo not only potentially affects the WWE relationship with WWN, it potentially affects the lawsuit where there's millions of dollars. It's a multi-million dollar contract we're dealing with here with this lawsuit, it potentially affects Gabe Sapolsky's future with WWN. Just read the comments uh, on the article on our site that he made Tyron Bentley. So it potentially affects his relationship with WWN, his personal relationship with WWE. It affects his personal relationship with his wrestlers because now there's trust issues as WWN and Gabe Sapolsky scramble to find a leak and everybody is focusing on don't do pile drivers. I mean, yeah, has everyone, well, you shouldn't do apron pile drivers. Yeah, we we know. Like that's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Has everybody lost their ability to have critical thought here? This memo was about so much more than don't do apron bumps. It aff- well, I, I was thinking. Yeah, no, go ahead. No, no, go, no. Tell me what you were thinking. Well, no, what I'm saying is one of the things that I really looked at it when I when I read this memo is is. Not necessarily. We we knew we knew it was only a matter of time before for Gabe. You know, Gabe specifically was going to go there in some form or fashion, whether it's, you know, once this full time thing went away, you know, evolve and go, whatever, I'm going to, to NXT or I'm going to be a consultant or whatever. We, we know that that's his, probably his end game. And, and that's a great spot for him because WWE has, has sort of unofficially for many years used Gabe as that stepping stone. They have, and, and I've talked to workers who have said, hey, look, I work for less. If, you know, when I work for Gabe, I understand I'm going to get less. But I know that the next step in a lot of times for Gabe guys is the big times, is WWE. You get noticed when you work for him. They have trusted him for a long time. This goes back years and years and years. They have trusted him to have a good eye for talent and know how to develop talent and, and, and use them a lot of times to say, hey, who are the up-and-comers in the American scene? Let's look at what Gabe is doing and who he's using, and that's sort of our guy. You know, Unofficially using that for a while and then now sort of in, in some capacity using it officially – what this was really interesting to me is is that 
I always assumed the end game was Gabe getting out and, and, and shutting down Evolve and not being a promoter anymore and moving on to NXT full time. What it, this sort of shows is at least, you know, tentatively what was going on here was that NXT was about to have a developmental brand for itself or that WWE was going to have a, sub, a, a supplement developmental brand. And, and obviously, I don't know how the Evolve thing was going to work or what they were going to do with it or whatever. But to me, it was really interesting that we are in a transition period, that Evolve is in a transition period, that you all have to have to, have to try to do this or, or be more conscious of this because this is what we're going to need to do when we do that. I, I thought that was the interesting tone about it, the we, we, we. And I don't know if that just gave blowing smoke of people's asses or if it legitimately that WWE is something that we've talked about for a long time is have a touring India. You have your Florida loop and everybody goes there and they does their, do their thing. But how valuable would it be to have another developmental unit that goes around the country, that goes around and, 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 and is work different in front of different audiences, in front of different things. And, and though we don't know that was official, unofficially, it kind of looks like that was what's going to go there. And that's like a landmark moment for them too. That's something that WWE has not done in a while and, and would really have been a, a really different revolutionary thing for this company to do. You know, since they haven't done developmental territories in this form in, in, in forever, and seem like they were pretty much stuck with the PC thing. So, in some ways, it's sort of an admission maybe that the PC thing isn't the greatest thing, and maybe it's not leading to exactly what we want. So, let's get a, a sort of a different developmental vibe or different developmental territory under our, 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 our umbrella, and then we can do different things. The PC can be maybe for your guys, and the Largo loop can be for your guys that are just raw pieces, and then maybe we can move those raw pieces over to Gabe. Maybe Gabe can use those, and, and maybe we can use veterans on the on the raw pieces shows and, and stuff, but I thought that was the really interesting thing, too, is that it wasn't I'm entering a transition period or you guys are going to be. It's we, and I thought, I, again, I don't know if that's blowing smoke up his ass, but the we part really hit me. It was like, oh, okay, this is a bigger deal than I thought it was. I thought it was Gabe closing up shop. Thanks for everything, guys. I'm good with my new job, but it's not necessarily. And this is why I think that the that the, that the memo could direct the, could could influence the lawsuit in in a different direction because you know Flo could establish that this guy was looking to get out of this deal, uh, you know, uh, prior to when shit really hit the fan. I mean, I just is a whole big mess. I just I I can't believe the lack of of critical thought when it comes to people who should know better, people involved uh, deep in wrestling uh, media who just did not understand the gravity of this exposed memo. And if you don't think the exposed memo is that big a deal, then why do you think Gabe Sapolsky is melting down over it so badly? Because it's a big fucking deal that this got out from all of those perspectives that I talked about. Look at the direct quotes to Aaron Bentley in the article on our site. I've worked 23 years for this and you are blowing this for me. I'm paraphrasing. But these are the types of quotes he's made because he understands the gravity of this getting out and what it could potentially – the ripple effects that could potentially be caused here. Okay? So, uh, you know, I just – you know, um, and, and behind the scenes what's going on in terms of trying to figure out who leaked the information and all that, I mean, those are just, you know, things that we, we just can't talk about for reasons. But it's like there's just so much going. There's so many moving parts of this and so many things at play. And um, I, I was just stunned at people downplaying the, the gravity. Not everybody, but some people who really should have known better. You know, people who have wrestling podcasts that they put out every week and fancy themselves as people who are uh, smart at breaking down wrestling, uh, just downplaying this thing. You know, it, it's a, you know, a guy like Aubrey Sitterson saying, oh, what's the big deal? We're talking about a memo about why is it a shocking? Yeah, well, that's my are you, point. Are you stunned that it would fly over his head? I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, I know we pick on him a lot, but it just goes to show the guy has no clue. He's clueless. The guy's clueless. That's surface level stuff. Yeah, if you go beyond the surface why, level, you can, yeah. you can really dig into this. I mean, which is why nobody listens to his show, but the guy's clueless, you know? But I mean, you know, and it's, it wasn't just him. 
There were plenty of others too. I mean, you know, it's, I know you didn't want me to bring it up, but, and I'm, I'm not going to, but TMZ, man, same thing. He's putting out tweets saying, oh, I don't see the big deal about the memo, you know? And Yeah, he of all people should, should, should see what's going on. Yeah, and, and I, as promised, I didn't bring up his name, you know, TMZ, man, because I know you don't want me to do that because I want to bury him six feet under, but you won't let me. I, uh, I just think we have too much else to cover, but... I don't... <laughs> but, uh, and, 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 there's a, yeah, it's... It, no, hold but you know, and, and he doesn't know what often he does, and TMZ man doesn't know the difference between off the record. He doesn't has no clue. TMZ man has no clue what uh you know what constitutes off the record either. So that guy's so full of shit that I fucking can't take it. But I promise you, I wouldn't say his name, so I won't. Uh, but yeah, but 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 just so everyone knows, I'm about TMZ man. Okay, I'll just leave it at that. But that guy's fucking clueless. Okay, he made an ass of himself, a fucking ass of himself. Doesn't know what he's talking about totally clueless but anyway um but yeah the memo is a much bigger deal than people are making it out to be so uh, and i think the Aaron's did a tremendous job uh they they got the inf- they got look they did nothing wrong okay they the Aaron's did nothing wrong they had the memo thursday they actually reached out to gabe to verify that whether the memo was legitimate or not and uh and to gain comment and gabe induced them to phone him and they called him and it was all you know on the record and you know, what are you supposed to do with that? Any wrestling reporter on earth would have used that gold mine and produced content out of it. I'm sorry, they would have. They just would have. Okay. I'm sure Fightful, who broke the news of the memo first, didn't tip Gabe off. If anything, Gabe should be thanking the Aaron's because he brought the memo to his attention and he could have gotten ahead ahead of it. They gave him a chance to get ahead of it. They gave him a chance to comment and get ahead of the story. And I think Sapolsky handled it very poorly. I really do. And 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 he, he could have handled it much better. And like I said, Fightful were the ones who eventually released the memo. I, I am willing to bet you they did not contact Gabe first and give him a chance to get ahead of it the way that the, the way that our guys did. So I don't right. know why, you know, it, it, it's he could have handled it much better. He we 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 tipped him off and gave him a chance to get ahead of it. I'm guaranteeing you Fightful didn't, and believe me, I know he's on their case too. Okay, I know he's on right. Business and it's, uh, yeah, it's not. Yeah, we're not the only ones that are. are uh, believe me, <laughs> Aaron Bentley's not the only one getting phone calls. And believe me, the phone calls have not stopped. He's not the only one getting phone calls, angry phone calls. I know Bix and Spans getting them too. I don't want to, you know. But I'm just saying, and I'm not saying that they handled it wrong. Look, they got a hold of this information and did what anyone would have done. They roll. They, you know, they they went with the story. You have to. It's a big story. Yeah. So anyway, that you know, I'm sure we're going to be following up with this as the weeks go on. You went to the show. Was it a good show? It was a great show. And I've heard, I, I, I didn't, uh, everybody, every report that I've seen, I haven't had a chance to watch uh, Evolve 92, but everybody said that was a great show too. But Evolve 93, the, the one in Chicago, was legitimately one of the best shows that they've had in, in, in probably a year. I mean, it was really good. I mean, talked about them. Uh, and I, I talked to a few guys, you know, in the roster there. And I was like, hey, you know, and this is this is before the, the leak had really become a thing. Like, I, you know, there was some idea about it, but I wasn't really as, as much into it because I was, I was busy throughout the weekend and doing some other stuff. I was more asking, you know, how after all the flow things, because I mean, again, like these guys show up in Detroit or, or, or Michigan or whatever, find out they're not on flow, find out they're going to be on WWE and find out that, you know, WWE, the, the flow's not covering their stuff. I mean, that's enough stress right there. And, and everybody said it was all positive. I mean, everybody was pretty pumped and everybody was pretty happy and really wanted to, see, you know, in, in a lot of ways, not in, uh, in us versus them mentality, but sort of a, you know, hey, let's prove our worth out here. Let's prove that we are, you know, what we, you know, what we say we are, we are top tier wrestling or whatever. And, and it showed all weekend. I mean, it was full effort from every single guy that I saw in that entire roster. And, and the Evolve 93 show was a nice compact, like, it was like a classic, you know, ROH Gabe show where like one match bled into the other, like the old Heyman thing. 
like where where a te- like a, a wrestler would 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 be down and like his buddy would come help him out and then like the guy that that buddy is facing would then come out and like everything was just like boom 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 like real concise or whatever but yeah really good matches Darby Allen and DJZ had, had just an incredible fucking crazy match and and that's one of the ones where it's like if he was really that big on like if if the don't do pile drivers or don't do apron bumps are is like the real focus of that email which again it's not uh, then this weekend was <laughs> just a, then game was not happy after this weekend because yeah I think in well, Jason Kincaid and Austin Theory I think um, they had or, or it was it was Jason Kincaid for I'm blanking on who he was against but they did like it was like the first spot of the, the entire match was like an apron pile driver and then Darby Allen and JDZ just went out there and killed each other and just did some insane stuff and and yeah a lot of really good stuff I mean Keith Lee and Zach Saber Jr was an incredible match I mean basically what you would assume. Uh, that those two guys would do, and it was great, like little guy, small guy match. Uh, and then Riddle and um, Tracy Williams had a really good main event too. It was like a no holds barred, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't too brawly. But it was fun to see Tracy Williams kind of in a different standpoint. But yeah, Evolve '93 w- w- was an awesome, awesome show. One of one of the better better Evolve shows I've seen in quite a while. So uh, they they grabbed the momentum from all you know you know the issues of what was going on in the weekend and and used it positively uh, at least for this weekend. So we'll see how it. Uh, uh, how it goes uh, in the future, but yeah, yeah, it was it was a good weekend for shows. I heard ninety two was great, and ninety three was was a lot of fun as well. So, uh, yeah, just very quickly before we move on to No Mercy, in terms of off the record, on the record, this is the golden rule when dealing with media. You ready, Rich? Yeah. Always assume if you are near a journalist, camera, or microphone that you are on the record. And yep. If you don't want to see it, hear it, or read it, then do not say it. If you, you are subject, if you're speaking to a media person and you're the subject and you're saying something to a media person, you are on the record unless you specifically say, I want to be off the record. Yeah. And that's. And, that, and that, even then, it's a courtesy, a respected courtesy by anybody with some ethics. But even then, it's just a courtesy. Okay. Until you say you're off the record. Remember that golden rule. Yeah, and, and the Aaron's the Aaron's did nothing wrong here. Exactly. Yeah, and that, and that's that's a big thing because I I you know I, I went to school for journalism and did that stuff and that's always what I really wanted to do until I found out that you know newspapers were dying and that's maybe not the the best plan there. But uh, yeah, and so I, I did high school sports for many many years. I've done you know college sports. I've done a lot of stuff. I've done you know news reporting or whatever. And and that was one of the things that every that my first editor that I ever had said you know when you're interviewing guys never let them bully you if they're talking to you and they don't specifically say off the record. It's on the record. And no matter what, unless, and you can say it if you want, you can say, Hey, this is on the record, by the way. But she said, you don't have to do that because you are on the record. No matter what you're on the record. Right. Let them say, Hey, this is off the record. If they tell you it and they don't tell you that they can retroactively go, Oh shit, that last part. Can you put that off the record? And again, like you can be nice and and you don't necessarily have to. I mean, they, they said like, if you ever want to, you know, be, if people say that, like, you know, be nice to them and do it. I mean, you don't necessarily have to, but off the record is a suggestion. Hey, but it, pretty much assume that if you're talking to a journalist and you're not comfortable saying something, you're not comfortable with whatever you say coming out, then don't say it at all. Because chances are, unless you, you've built up a rapport where they trust you enough and, and you built up that trust and they can say, hey, this is off the record or whatever, then but, but, but they are on no under obligation to, to not report what you say. And, and that's the thing. And, 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 and that's what my editor said, too. You're there after the game. You're, you're holding up a microphone or whatever. They know what you are. They know who you are. Whatever they say, you can use. And there was a lot of times where I had coaches say, oh, yeah, that guy, you know, the injuries and stuff, stuff that I probably wasn't going to report. And the, the newspaper got in trouble and they would say, well, do you have a tape? And then I would always have to, I'd have my recording there and I go here, this is what he said to me. And it's like, all right, well, he didn't tell you he couldn't say that, you know, quarterback has a concussion or whatever and still plays, I, you know, you're not supposed to, he's not supposed to whatever, but Hey, look, 
here's the here's the coach saying he had a concussion and we we weren't sure or whatever. You know what I mean? Like so it was always that. That was the rule that I always had, a number one rule that an editor came up with. And and it was that way forever. I mean, everybody would always tell me, always editors would always say, Hey, you know, get these good quotes and 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 you're on the record until they specifically say you're off the record. That's right. Unlike TMC. It rarely ever came up. It rarely, rarely ever came up yeah. unless it was sort of there was a coach that I built a rapport with. Um, if I covered a bunch of their games and he would say, Hey, you know, Rich here, you know, quick off the record, here's what happened here, but you know, don't publish that. And I'd be like, yeah, okay, cool. Sounds good. It was a guy that I know, like, but it wouldn't be the first time I ever covered those games because you don't do, don't tell some random dude, you know, this, cause you don't know what he is. But once you yeah. built up that, that, that trust, then I think then you're able to, and, 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 and most people that deal with the media know that once you've, you've built that certain trust with somebody that then you can trust when you say off the record that they're going to say, yeah, okay, cool. I'll turn my mic right. off. What's going on? Okay. All right, cool. And if they Sounds don't, you, and if you don't, you're never going to get them to talk to you again. Exactly. Yeah. They, they say they trust you enough to say, Hey, I know you're here all the time. I know you cover X or whatever. This would be a bit, you don't want to lose this, or you don't want to, you know, lose our trust, or you don't want us to get mad at the, the paper and, and all that sort of stuff. So when I say off the record, Hey, you know, be nice and, and, and put it off the record, but you're under no obligation to do that. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, unless it's not wiretapping, it's not like, you know, you're not doing that. You're talking, you're having a conversation or whatever, and you're a journalist, you're a reporter. But yeah, so so off the record is is people sort of assume that it, you are under no obligation to say I'm on the record. You know, if I'm, I'm no, talking to no, that's backwards, and that's what TMZ man was asserting. Oh, you have to. I would politely let them know on the phone that they're on the record. Bullshit. Okay, TMZ man's lost. That's not how it works. That's not ever how it has worked. Okay, these are two guys that do a podcast. These are two guys that cover the promotion. And let me tell you something. Gabe Sapolsky knows that they covered a promotion. He's given them quotes before. He's given them quotes before. And they, they specifically called him because well, they were covering this memo. And he called and them back. Said, yeah. Yes. And then he induced the phone call. Right. That was an official capacity. It's not on them to say, oh, by the way, uh, you're on the record. It's on him to say, listen, this is off the record. Who the hell yeah, is the leader? Exactly. I, I, I've, I've talked to coaches before where I would publish a story and, and I would get a call the day after or whatever. And, and they would start the conversation by, hey, this is off the record, but this is why I did this. Because yes. I would say, well, they didn't play this guy. And it, it's weird that they didn't quite do this or whatever. And he would call and, 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 and this happened a few times. And he would say, hey, this is off the record, by the way, but here's why I did X. Here's why this guy didn't play. Because he, you know, <laughs> we caught him stealing stuff at school or whatever. But I don't want to tell you that. And I don't want you reporting that, that he got to go pregnant or whatever. But that's why he didn't play. And that's why he's not going to play for the next week, you know, type thing. But don't report that, please. And it's like, yeah, no, no problem. I get it. But he's like, there you go. So you know, and so you don't sound like an idiot. I'm going to tell you why. And so you don't make me look like an idiot for not playing this guy or not doing this or whatever. I'm going to call you and I'm going to tell you. But if the call is made to you, Again, like you're pretty much assuming on the record. So then it's it's that caller's, th that guy who's calling the reporter to say, hey, here's the thing, to say, look, I'm saying this thing because and of look, the look, yeah. he, Gabe didn't ask Aaron to call him to shoot the shit. He called him to talk about this. This was right, the there's a big difference. Man. Shoot the shit, and like we don't shoot the shit with many wrestlers. I, anytime I talk to a wrestler, I talk to a backstage guy. They understand that I'm, I'm that what whatever they say to me. I, I may repeat it. I'm not a guy that's out there scooping news and doing all this sort of stuff. But, you know, the conversation I'm going to have, I might talk about it. So they know that, that that's they know who I am. It's not, you know, me meeting them at a, at a, a Burger King. Oh, you're in a wrestler. Oh, that's cool. Like, that's what, that's different. They know who we are. They know. And this is a guy specifically calling a guy. So, yeah, that, that's the, 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 this was a, it thing, was a yeah. continuation of an online conversation about this story. Exactly. Right. Was, so, but they took it to the phone. It's it, it's not it wasn't Aaron's job to say, hey, this is on the record. It's the yeah, subject's it, it's on job. The record until it's not on the record. It, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's the, the subject's record. job to say, hey, what I'm about to say is off the record. 
Right. That did not occur. And, 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 and so, you know, but the Evolve guys are going to explain that on their show this week. The one that they, you know, the, their next show coming up. So we, I'll let them defend themselves, but they did not. We got a quick update here. Uh, the never ending saga here. So uh, Gabe Sapolsky, 12 minutes ago, as we're recording this, says, found out who leaked the email. I love Evolve, WWN, and our entire locker room of professionals. Can't wait for 1014 in New York and 1015 in Connecticut. You know what? I spoke to you before we started recording, and we were tipped off today by someone yeah, you said who, knows, it was coming. <laughs> who knows their shit that the leak was going to be revealed within 24 hours. And what happens? Three hours later, Gabe's tweeting out that he knows who leaked it. So there you oh, go. man. Hugh Hefner died, too. Oh, really? Yeah, just, uh, just, just came across. That's a big 91 one. 91 years old. American That's, icon and Playboy founder. You want to talk about a man who lived a full life. Oh, Jesus, yeah. Life, okay? So... Rick Flair may be lying about you know banging ten thousand people, but I you know I don't think Flair's far off. I don't think he's far. But Hef, even if Hef, Hef didn't bang ten thousand people, but he banged like four hundred really solid ones. You know what I mean? Like he may have had sexual relations with ten thousand women. Because maybe. here's the thing: there's look how many he would have times, six at a time. Like yeah, that, that's exactly. where, you know. See what I'm saying? Like he probably had so many occurrences where hundreds of times where there were multiple women involved. So, you know. Yeah, he lived a uh, tremendous life, huh? Not bad. Yeah, I, I, you know, nice little. Ah, oh, man, but yeah, really a uh, hard worker though for a while. I mean, that, that's I wonder if he was like... banging until he was ninety-one. Oh, you're probably right. I got those boner pills now. So, yeah. You know. Well, I think they talk about like the uh, whatever that show was called. I forget what it was. The um, the bunnies or whatever. They talked about how it was just like weird that like you just had like had kind of have sex with Hugh Hefner and like like you know he didn't really like it was like yeah I don't know. It's gotta be like fucking a corpse, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, that's what they kind of said. Like it wasn't. Yeah, it, wasn't it was like erect, like, but it's like do I really? I don't really want to like. Like you just kind of hop on and hop off type thing. I remember Amy Schumer saying that uh, sex with Dolph Ziggler was very athletic sex. I don't right. think yes, Hugh yeah. Hefner was no, athletic was, sex. You know, yeah, it was kind of the, the Hulk Hogan style, where it's like I'm going to just be here, you do your thing, and there we go, we're done. <laughs> sex with Joe Lanza is very athletic. Promise. Okay, you are you, are, is it too athletic though? Sometimes. Is it possible? Yeah. Is that why you lose yeah. women because you're a little too athletic in your sex? No, nah, I wouldn't you, say I lose them because of that, but uh, um, Dolph there. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. Maybe you know. But that's why. Possible. I'm sore afterwards. Sometimes you know I work hard. I'm a hard worker, Rich. Listen, the work rate is good. You know the work rate is very high. Is it that? Uh, what's the pulled, most common injury? Like pulled hamstrings, pulled quads. Like you know, what? a lot of times it's in my thighs. The it's next always, day, yeah. That's that's I get it a lot in like the back. Of my, I get like the quads and hamstrings because I don't I don't I don't put in like the house show effort. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm, right, right, it's, right. I, I'm going main event. WrestleMania every fucking time, you know. I'm just the work rates there. How much time we got for the No Mercy here? Uh, we got about uh, 15, 20 minutes, which is because I could talk about my fucking all night long. I mean, no, let's 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 long. not. Yeah, let's let's not. Okay, all right, we can get the lovely Brittany on the line if you'd like. She'd give you a first. Well, actually, account. yes, yeah, actually, never mind. Let's do that. Sounds like a Lanza unfiltered. <laughs> yeah, maybe show, maybe though, hold that it? up for uh, for something else. Yeah, you yeah. and you and your uh, your lady talking about the uh, the finer points of. Yeah, I, that's one where I would want. I, I want you off the line, like me and Brittany. Like you could do the show with with Michelle and and, and me and Brittany. I want to get to the. I, I want to find out if you are really. I'll like, tell you what. You I, are, listen, sir. I'll tell you what. People are waiting for Lance Unfiltered to come back, right? Yeah. How about an episode where half the episode is me interviewing the nurse, <laughs> and the I'm other down, half, yeah. and the other half of the episode is you interviewing the lovely Brittany. But and how how awkward would my section be? Like, and here's the thing, though. Your section would be awesome. Doesn't have to be about. Doesn't have to be about sex. No topic is off. Okay, is it's just off me and Brittany talking. Yeah. And we each get to do 45 minutes 
with the other one's significant other, and you could talk about anything. Well, that's too long, Joe. I don't know if I can do 45 minutes. Oh, oh, I see. Oh, Rich, you know, you self-deprecating Rich. You know what he's doing? He's setting it up. He's setting the bar low so that when the nurse comes on and I immediately go in to uh, Rich's uh, performances between the sheets there, <laughs> that he looks better than the bar he's setting. You see what he's doing there? Uh, yeah. Well, that's we'll what Rich see. is doing. It's always set. I, that's that technique. I know you. Okay, you're setting the bar low so she puts you over. You know, that way anything she says, you look good. Yeah, that's a good idea for Alanza Unfiltered, though. You know, that's not bad. Yeah, it's not that's, bad. That's not a bad one at all. But uh, listen, be warned. We I'll can brand it really weird and like a little white wife swap deal thing that it'll be a handle people. Oh, that's some weird branding. It is. People, <laughs> people will be intrigued, right? I mean, people are going to click like, holy shit. It's just like uh, me talking about like, you know, yeah. 90s things. Hey, Brittany, <laughs> what was your favorite Nickelodeon show? Because she's younger. She's like our age, not like you. You're an old fart. But uh, someone nice. called me Sir. When's the last time you've been called Sir? Oh, well, I'm in Texas. So. Like, oh, you're you're disqualified. Then. It's okay. daily. You know, yeah, I was going to say, never mind. Like, like I, I today I was walking my dog and somebody went, sir. And I was just like, oh, God, <laughs> I just wanted to like crawl into a hole. And they're like, uh-huh. your dogs are very cute. And then like, I was like, oh, thank you. And they're like, because I was walking, there's like a park across the street. So I'll walk the dogs there before, before I do a podcast or whatever. And then they said, oh, your dog's very cute. Oh, do you have a kid that's over there playing soccer? And I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> like, I just wow. have dogs. Like, you called me sir and then assumed that I have a child over there playing soccer. And I'm like wasting time until they're done playing soccer. Yeah, the first time you get called sir, it's kind I was, of the system. <laughs> like I'm sure I've been called it before, but this one was just like, a, oh god. Because then they followed up. I was like, sir, whatever. They're just being polite, and they're like, where are your kids? And I was like, oh god. Well, the first <laughs> time when it's someone not being paid to call you sir. Exactly right. Yeah, it's not. It's, it wasn't a, a, a hostess. It wasn't like it was a hotel desk. Nothing yeah, like right, right. Like, yeah. it like was a random like, person on the street. Yeah, it was like a 12 year old girl that called me sir and said, I like your dogs. And I was like, oh, okay. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and then yeah. asked me where my kids were. And I was like, oh. Yeah. Like, Don't call me sir. Just say, hey, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, call me Rich. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, I, I feel yeah, you, oh, man. Hey, dude, I dude. I want to hear dude. Hey, dude, I love your dogs. Like, yeah, they're awesome. Like, hey, we're, we're making this lands on filter. That's a great way to bring the show is, back. Yeah, I, I think I'm we got to do that. No topic, untouchable. 45 minutes. I don't think you and the nurse can go 45. That that Are you kidding me? I no, no, I mean it's gonna go like four hours. hours. No, that's what I mean. Like I don't oh, know okay. that you can restrict it to four. I mean, you get her talking about anything, and that's a 45 minute minimum. And then you too, because you're the same way. You talk about fucking Jiro for like 20 minutes. Can um, I give you can I give you a little tip when you talk to Brittany? Yeah, what's up? So, what you have to ask her is, and don't give it away because you know okay. the punchline. You know the punchline already. Ask her her celebrity crushes. Ah, you, know that's, yeah. you know that's you know that's going, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. The listeners will like that because you know where she's going with it. Mm-hmm. It's fucking phenomenal. Yeah. It's phenomenal. I sent that one to the nurse too, and she kind of was just like, "I know you sent me the screenshot." Yeah. <laughs> and then we had a longer conversation because she then came back and was like, "Why did you ask me that again?" Like, yeah, it's baffling, right? It's amazing. And then we had a long, like, thirty-five minute discussion about uh, this particular person and whether he uh, is someone that, yeah, is like a crush. And and her theory was like, "I'd like to hang out with him, but not necessarily, you know." Never bang on. Not a crush. Yeah, it's not like the same level. No mercy. Not a, bang- not a bangable human. No. All right. So, all right, let's do this. Um, how much time we got for the no mercy? Uh, like 10 minutes, whatever. Hey, look, I thought everybody worked hard. Um, I didn't have any problem with the effort up and down the card. Not the, the you know, the matches didn't. I thought Finn Balor and Bray Wyatt had a better match than they had at uh, what was the previous event? SummerSlam, I guess, was uh, when the Demon was when it SummerSlam. Yeah. I think they, did they have a great balls of fire match too? I don't even remember. Uh, I thought the opener with the Miz and Jason Jordan, I thought they worked very hard. That was an excellent match. Um, Ambrose and Rollins versus Arrow and Sheamus. I see people calling this maybe the WWE match of the year. I'd like your thoughts on this. 
I wasn't all that impressed with this match. Uh, wow. Yeah, I don't think WWE match of the year. I thought it was very good, but no, that that's that's lofty. I don't think it was quite that good. I, I thought, thought, it, was I thought okay. it was. Yeah, no, it was good. It, it was solid. I, I enjoyed it, but yeah, I don't know if it was WWE match of the year. I mean, I think I think it was the. Yeah, I, I I'd say it was the best for me. It was the best match on this entire show, but no, I don't think like it was. I don't even best, think it was the best, best match on the show. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that here in a little bit, but yeah, no, I, I um, no, it was good, but not 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 to that level, no. I thought it was a nice little three and a half star match. I don't know, I I, I didn't think it was bad or anything, but I, I thought Rain Cena was better. I did. Um, I thought this five the five way women's match I thought was really good. Um, that that match. Look, I look, I didn't really dislike anything on this show. Um, you know, with the exception of some stuff towards the end, Rain Cena. I thought it was a good match. I didn't think it was a great match. I thought it was, uh, in terms of John Cena matches, where it's a John Cena moves match, I thought the AJ Styles matches blew this match away. I thought even the Kevin Owens matches blew this match away. But I thought it was a really good match. I went four stars. Um, See, I thought the first half of this match sucked. So that really dragged it down for me. I mean, mean, the last little part was all right, but the the, I'm going to hit as many attitude adjustments as possible, and then you're going to hit one Superman punch spear thing was just a little underwhelming to me. I I didn't didn't like that. I I, I don't know. I liked the whole match until the abrupt finish. So I was the opposite. I didn't think that the first half of the match was as dull as some other people were saying. Maybe that's why I'm a little higher on it than I am on, on, on some. Well, actually, this match was pretty divisive, right? There's a lot of people who thought it was really great. Yeah, no, this is this is like split in the middle. Like people either said it sucked or they loved it, and there's no in between yeah. for both people. Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was the best match on the show, so I know we're short on time. Um, Enzo Neville. Now Enzo wins the title. Um, I have, I think I have unique thoughts on this. I'm not really against this. I think that here's the thing. I know last week I talked about and we were kind of, but the thing with Enzo going to 205 Live and the thing with putting the title on Enzo. Let's look at it. Look, I love Neville. I've loved his run, but I thought they cheapened it when he lost to Tozawa. But the Enzo thing, here's my perspective. Nobody watches 205 Live. It hardly ever even finishes in the top 10 on the network. And if they want to commit themselves to this thing, they have to do something to get people to watch it. We talked about how Enzo is a talented guy. He's not a great wrestler, but he's a talented guy. And I said a few months ago on the show, I think there's a role for Enzo Amore. I just don't know what the fuck it is. Right. But he's a guy that I would try to find something useful to do because I think he's talented in, in many ways. They do the double turn with Neville and Enzo during the TV that, that you know, followed up this show. And I got to tell you, Rich, oddly enough, I'm more interested in 205 Live now than I was before Enzo Amore came to the show. And isn't that the whole point of putting him on 205 Live? And here's the thing. It doesn't bother me because I am long past the point of 205 Live being what the Cruiserweight Classic was. We right, have you, to you get past yourself it. yourself and, and stopped it. Yeah, I was yeah. pissing the moment when Enzo won, and then I realized, why do I care? It's 205 Live. I don't give a shit. Like, yeah. it, it was brief where I was like, whatever. Like, it's not going to be good, and I know it's not going to be good, and I've distanced myself from it. I turn it on sometimes. I laugh. I enjoy it sometimes. I you know, put it on in the background. It's background noise now. It, it's not a show that I have to watch, and it's not a show that I'm going to care about what happens anymore because they, they've – They've destroyed that. That was a year ago was, was the Cruiserweight Classic. That might as well be 15 years ago. This is a completely different show at this point. It's 205 Live is Little Guy Raw. Yeah, and the sooner that you accept that, it's like, look, I, I think putting Enzo Amore on that show and putting the title on Enzo Amore and making him the headliner of that show, I think it's a good business booking decision because I think it's worth it to try to get people to watch it because as the show was, no one was watching it. 
They just weren't. As much praise as we toss at Neville for being the best overall – I think he's the best overall performer in the company this year. I don't know where you stand. I would assume you think he's near the top, if not the best. I think he's the best. With all that said, no one was watching this show that was built around him. So from a business perspective, and this is a business, I, I don't mind throwing Enzo at the wall to see if it sticks. Is he going to have great matches? No. But listen, he closed Raw this week. Um, you know, so they, 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 they believe in him to some extent, or at least they're at least going to get behind him. It's worth a shot. You know, let him headline this, this network show. What damage can it do? You know, if it fails, it fails. What can it hurt? It's finished. Yeah, like it's failing anyway. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's feeling pretty bad already. So, so I can't really, I, I cannot, I know people want us to come on here and bury this. I can't because I can see where they're coming from. Is that a hot take or what? Um, no, not necessarily. I think a lot of people have resigned themselves to that fate after the Enzo win, and I think it's people are looking for the positives in it now and realizing. Yeah, I, I think in the moment it was just kind of like, and, and I tweeted out too. I was like, "Oh, fuck off!" Like that was just because we talked about it again. Where like you know, Enzo's just a chump, and then he comes on your, your your brand and wins your title or whatever. But when you the sooner you realize that it's not going to be what you think it's going to be, and you realize that it is a chump show filled with chumps who are a certain weight, <laughs> but that it's going to be exactly like Raw and it's exactly like SmackDown and it's storyline-based. The sooner you just kind of realize that and the sooner you just resign yourself to that fate, then you can maybe enjoy some of the little aspects of it. And, and that's really, I think, after the Zenzo win, it was kind of a snap, like, all right, look, it, it, it's not going to be what we think it's going to be, but let's try to find some way to enjoy it, I guess. Cruiserweight Classic is long dead and gone. It's ancient history. It's gone. Enzo's a good promo. They let him. They give him plenty of promo time on that show. I don't know if you watched this week's show. Cut a very long promo to start the show. It's all about 205 Live. Um, you know, and, and, you know, and, and, you know, he takes a good beating. I'll give him that, you know? So there's things that he does that I like. Maybe he finds himself a little niche Lesnar versus Braun. Um, I watched this well after the fact, after everyone had already buried it. And I, and maybe that's why I didn't hate it as much as everybody else did. I thought it was just an average two and a half star match that did nothing for me. And I think what I hated about it is it kind of killed Braun's momentum. That's the biggest problem here. Um, either do a non-finish or have Braun win the title, but the, what they did kind of stole, it, it saps a lot of the excitement out of Braun. I don't think it's, it's the, that he can't come back, but it wasn't a great match. It wasn't an explosive match. It wasn't this clash of the Titans that we were all expecting. It was just a mediocre match where Braun kind of just fucking lost. You know, I was poorly built. It was poorly uh, booked from that perspective, but as far as a bell to bell match, I was expecting a train wreck based on what everybody was saying. To me, it was just an average match. Yeah, and I think that's really what I came away with as well. Is is, is not in a vacuum. Like depending on what story you were trying to tell, I, I think that's the way to sort of look at it. If if you're of the mind that hey, look, we're trying to build Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns for WrestleMania, then this was a great story, and it did the exact job I was supposed to do. Brock Lesnar looked, you know, like another dominant champion, beat the challenger of the month or whatever. You know, again, I'm talking about a vacuum. I'm talking about hypothetical. In that case, it worked well. If you're of the mindset that Braun Strowman is a potential star and you had built him up for a lot and, and, and you had done a great match at SummerSlam where it was just an absolute destruction between those two and, and, and Braun looked like he was on or near or, or, or potentially taking over Brock's level, then you can't help but be disappointed by this match because yeah. he was just a flavor of the month challenger for Lesnar. And that is not the way to use Braun Strowman right now. In my mind, again, like if, if you don't care, if you just think Braun Strowman's a guy and you're using him to, to, to heat up other guys, then this is fine. Then this worked exactly how it was supposed to work. And for you, you might be okay with it when it was all said and done. But most of the people's disappointment and most of the reason, you know, I was upset and, and you were upset and a lot of other people, not necessarily upset, but maybe disappointed was that it wasn't a train wreck. It wasn't like a, it, it was a car crash. It was just a match. And Brock vanquished the challenger of the month. 
and now he goes away again. Is this an example of the old book themselves in the corner, or uh, you know, what do you think? Yeah, I I don't know. I think we we talked about this before, and I think maybe maybe less book yourselves in a corner, and then more that we work ourselves into a shoot. Yeah, and and you talked about this six months ago that Braun Strowman was being heated up to lose to Roman Reigns and elevate Roman Reigns, and now we see Braun Strowman being heated up again to elevate Brock Lesnar. And to make Brock so Lesnar look Brock. dominant, so maybe we might so that think Ro- that so Braun's that, the shit. So that Roman could beat Brock, right? right. And, and we all think that Braun's awesome, and we think he's really good, and we think there's potential there. It's possible that they are looking. The vision for them is Reigns Lesnar, and and anybody else is just a conduit to get that match to another level. And Braun is the big, beefy, old school heel that just kind of comes in, heat him up, and then he loses, and then he then your your other guy moves on. He's Earthquake. You know what I mean? Like, it's possible. He's just Earthquake. Right. Like, in 1990, I'm sure people are like, oh, shit, Earthquake's awesome. And it's like, no, you, we're just building up Earthquake to lose the Hogan, guys. Chill out. Hogan's got nothing to do for a few months, so we're heating up Earthquake. Like, th- that might be what Braun is. And maybe we have to understand that while we think that he's the shit and we think whatever, Vince might just think that for right now, he's just a means to an end. <laughs> and that might that's disappointing, but we've seen two examples of it now. He's been used to heat up the two guys that we know are earmarked for WrestleMania. That's not to say once that's over that Braun can't be, but that's what they've used him for this year. Yep. For better or for worse. And, and, and all the excitement has all been to just give us to this moment where then Brock Lesnar defeats him easily. Yeah. And then Roman beats Brock. Right. At WrestleMania, which we can get into in more detail when we have more time. But that, yeah, that's what we saw here. And this match that should have been an epic match and an epic moment just was a flat fucking wet fart. So uh, I don't think they'll have any problem heating Braun back up, but it's very clear the focus is Roman Reigns, especially with the endorsement he got from John Cena. So, yeah. all right. I think we're out of time though, right? I mean. Yeah, we're, we're up against it. So I think that's all. Uh, no mercy. I, yeah, I don't really have any other strong thoughts about the, the rest of the show. I think we uh, nailed it right there. So anyway, yeah, Wrestling World uh, never sleeps here. <laughs> so make sure you're checking out um, Wrestle Podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. Uh, of course, everything evolves. We, we can't recommend enough this week. And also the piece that Aaron Bentley put up on Voices Wrestling. A lot of other good stuff on the website right now as well. We had uh, Joshua uh, McDonald, who's uh, been doing a few things for us. He did a really good piece about the Maritimes and how that's sort of a, 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 a territory that's reemerging, similar to what we did you know, a few months ago with the uh, the Australia Territory. So it's kind of cool to, to always kind of shine a light on an area that's that's growing. Uh, Michael Levy did a really good piece on WWE Developmental. Like we, we, we didn't mention it here, but Braun is the first pc guy to main event sing, a, a singles match a main event you know in a singles match for a big pay-per-view or whatever so that's kind of cool that to see kind of the progression of WWE developmental and all that other stuff and then of course we'll have reviews previews we got a preview coming up uh, i believe jojo remy is doing our preview for uh, this yokohama show for noah and he's going to the show as well so i'll probably have a live uh, reaction from him too so a lot of good stuff on voice wrestling also the voice wrestling podcast network and also be sure you're joining our community at voices of wrestling.com slash forums or great forums and for joe lanza i'm rich great we'll see you next time on the voices of wrestling podcast